What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am Mitch, and I am your host this week. Boozy and Kyle were away, but filling in for them, I invited my friends at the So Be It podcast back to discuss a couple of their film picks. On this episode, we dive into two films that were picked by So Be It hosts Jeff Thiessen and Johnny Pander. Jeff chose the slasher film Pieces from 1982, and Johnny chose the mockumentary-style serial killer flick Man Bites Dog from 1992. Fair warning, we considered just not posting this episode at all because the feature discussions were constantly interrupted by personal things that were out of our control. So each time we paused, a few of us had an hour or two in between to have some more drinks than the other hosts. Uh, So Man Bites Dog in particular may not have gotten its proper representation on the show, but you know us, you know what we're all about. We're all about that chaos, baby! This is a very quote-unquote classic terror table episode. Things got messy, drinks were had, shots were fired, you likely know how it goes with us. But either way, I had a ton of fun talking with Jeff and Johnny, and I hope you all enjoy listening to the episode. But before I let the episode roll, I have a few questions for all of you listeners out there. Are you a fan of horror apparel? Are you looking for the perfect Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt to offend your grandparents at the next family gathering? Look no further than FrightRags.com. Save 10% off on your next order from FrightRags.com by using the promo code TerrorTable10. This month, FrightRags is unleashing a brand new line of officially licensed John Carpenter's The Thing merch. They are also unleashing a line of Universal Monsters gear and even some new Creepshow clothes. So check them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or at their website at fright-rags.com. Special thanks to our sponsors this week at Conexus Credit Union. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Conexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into this week's episode of The Terror Table. Enjoy! All right, and introducing this week's guests, we have the So Be It podcast, but uh, I'm going to introduce you guys one by one so people can know whose voice they're hearing. Jeff Thiessen, how are you doing, man? My name is Jeff. Always a pleasure, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you back, and Johnny Panders in the booth. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, we're we're really uh, stretching our tech as far as we can go. Uh, we're, I, Jeff might just implode at some moment, but we're I think we're going to do okay. I'm excited. I'm excited to be on the show, though. Yeah, this is a different setup for you guys. This is the first time recording over Skype. You guys uh, at the So Be a Podcast have a little bit of a better way to do things, I believe. Um, but Johnny, you're much smarter than us. I'm not going to say that about Jeff, uh, but Jeff is currently holding his microphone. So that's something that I really enjoy. I, I haven't seen that in all my years of podcasting. Now I can say that well, in all my years of podcasting, I've never seen a, a host hold his microphone. Hand bomb. Yeah. I literally watched him break I'm, it day one while he was trying to set it up like a year ago. And he was like, not, let me just tighten this. Oh, it broke. It wasn't just day one. I think it was within 28 minutes. 
Uh, and then I broke your equipment immediately. And we're like, this uh, online experiment is going swimmingly well. No, I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm channeling my Sammy Hagar with my microphone clutching. So I'm hoping that translates. Well, in case, like, I know you have it. Uh, we, we often talk about your daughter on, on the show, Georgia. And if she ever comes down, you can hand bomb the mic over to her like you're the singer of terror or something. <laughs> you get him to do gang vocals. <laughs> Uh, you I'm know not, the I'm fucking sure, lyrics. Georgia's status as a listener is still in debate. I'm not sure that's even a good move. A participant on Terror Table, we're not even close to that. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, well, yeah, she, she she gets a thrill out of any mention, though. So, um, if you guys, you know, ever feel charitable, you're making the kids' hearts swell. Well, to be fair, the most editing we have ever done in an episode was our, I believe it was episode 150 we did, or it was our Halloween episode a couple of years back uh, when we did the Evil Dead with Scott Hamilton. But Boozy took it upon himself to edit out all of the swears with bird sounds and dolphin sounds. And, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we're white trash fucking idiots from Saskatchewan. All we do is swear. So. <laughs> I think you bit off more than you could chew with that one. But uh, it was a very nice gesture. But um Glad to see you got one nice episode out of the way out of what, 230 or whatever you're at. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, we are here. We have decided we're going to be doing a double feature today because this is the first time in a while. I like, so would Hereditary be the last time you guys were on or was Idle Hands after that? I think it Idle was Hands was after. Okay. Was Idle Hands. Yeah, that was our Halloween episode for 2018. So I we haven't and... come back for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that is. <laughs> Well, it's because I have post-traumatic stress from that episode because that's the only episode in Terror Table history where I can safely say I did black out. I, uh, I don't remember recording the last 20 minutes of that podcast. Mitch gave us a two-year ban because our mere presence reminds him of all the self-loathing he felt after that episode. Uh, that was one of the funnest episodes from what I can remember. Um, You're right, though, you're right though, Johnny. It just ended so abruptly. Like Mitch is like, it was like an Irish goodbye for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of that, but you guys also have your own podcast now and you guys have been keeping busy with that, which we're going to talk about right away here. But I just want to quickly give a shout out, say that we are going to be discussing two so be it picks today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Jeff Thiessen's pick, which is Pieces from 1982. And then we're going to be talking about Johnny's pick, Man Bites Dog from 1992. So the correlation between both movies, any like you're going to have to stick around and find out to see why we decide to pair these two movies up uh, or if it was entirely just random. Um, but before that, yeah, like I just mentioned, you guys have been hosting the So Be It podcast for, I is it two and a half years now, three years? Where are you guys at? Probably coming up on three. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So Jesus. So Be It. So be it. It's your one-stop shop. It's the place you can go to find out what white dudes are listening to. Uh, <laughs> you guys are a music podcast hosted by two white dudes, but also you had, you guys did get a little bit more eclectic uh, culturally recently when you introduced Max to the show, who is also <laughs> a straight white man, but he un unironically listens to and enjoys new Eminem releases. Thoughts? You know, Johnny, you always got to have that one, one token guy, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, we're, we're making sure we're covering all of our bases and not staying too much to just listening to rock and roll. That's too typical of white guys. So you got to really include expanding. Eminem. Yes, exactly. So yeah. we just needed that Eminem edge that we were really missing. Yeah. I think we were getting a little concerned. This was too rock centric. So we had to bring in 
a, a different cultural aspect that basically is just Eminem. It starts and ends with him, basically. So we feel like we satisfied that adequately. Um, I don't know. Without Max, I, I, I worry that we would have came off too white. So thanks for Max. That's, that's huge yeah. help. No, and that's, uh, you know, obviously it sounds like I'm shooting on a guy who isn't here to defend himself, but I do have some troublesome news for you guys. Um, and it is regarding your show. I just want to make sure that you guys are aware of this. I know Johnny was on for this episode in which this occurred. Um, but I worry that it may have, that you may have been under some sort of black magic spell, Johnny, and you just didn't handle this the way that, uh, I know Jeff would have. Um, but I feel like you guys should know that you have a guy on your show saying that Weezer has only gotten better over time. <laughs> I'm, Don't even I'm get me started, Mitch. I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite worried. And I'm also like, but the thing is, I don't even, like Jeff, it kind of is, I, I don't really know even where you're standing with them these days. Cause I think you're just in such a puddle of like all over the place with Weezer. So that's its own thing, but you're right. I'm very nervous when Weezer is considered to be getting better and better. That's <laughs> it's a bit concerning, but everyone's open to their opinions, whether they're wrong or not. But uh, exactly. But the thing is, if there's one person in the world I know who cannot handle other people's different opinions, it is Jeff Thiessen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why especially you have to come and swing in for those ones. Especially <laughs> Jeff has Jeff wrote a. Um, God, I don't even know what you, a eulogy or a, eulogy. a long, a long uh, article about Weezer's Teal album. And I promise we're going to talk about horror movies today. I just wanted to get all this out of the way at the beginning. Um, but yeah, Jeff has a strong hatred for especially the Teal album. So my jaw dropped when I was listening to that episode. And Max said that Weezer just gets better with age. <laughs> It's like what? Yeah, maybe your give a fucks just go away as you get older. It's it's like a wine that's aged over time, but the grapes that were picked were like sprayed with like you know tons of chemicals and like (laughs) this. It it is changing to a different form, but as far as gaining in like quality, I mean that that's a a very hot take for Max. And I wouldn't say I, I um. Yeah, the, the Weezer thing, I it was more of eulogizing my sanity. Like, the fact yeah. that this album exists and my brain has to try and absorb it. Really we all, difficult task. We all, we all watched you lose a big piece of yourself that day when you put that article out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really returned, Mitch. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's going... Cast is going good, other than our, uh, you know, rap quota we're trying to fill and Weezer grapplings where... Uh, we're trying to keep to every couple of weeks. We can't stay as frequent as you guys. We're not as committed to our craft as you, but uh, me and Johnny haven't actually drove to each other's house and rain blows upon each other yet. So success. Yeah. Yeah. So far, so no, good. I'm definitely, you guys know I'm a listener. I know you guys busted boozy on the last episode he was on that uh, he hadn't listened to recent episodes. Don't take that personally because boozy doesn't listen to any podcast. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I listen to every episode and even though I like almost never agree with you guys on music, I still, (laughs) I just love you guys and I love hearing your opinions and talking about art with you guys. And that's why I was like, I really want to bring you guys back on soon. So I'm super happy we could do this today. We could have both of you guys here and, uh, we have quite the, quite the episode ahead of us with uh, a double feature like pieces and man bites dog. So how do you guys feel about getting on with the show? Do you guys want to talk about some horror movies? Let's do it. Can I, can I give a quick shout out though? Quick, yeah. really quick shout out. <laughs> shout out. To, just to, invite to, on the show. Let Kyle. me throw a shout out. <laughs> well, he is holding well, his mic. 
<laughs> hey, yo, shout no, out. I could pull it off. You guys can't. Don't forget I'm, the point. I want to give big shout out to my boy, Kyle, who I've never met, who I would have loved to share this airtime with. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we were with Diego, with Boozy, but Kyle is the one we haven't spent time with. So um, Kyle, someday I'll grab my mic. We'll make it happen. And that's weird because usually Kyle just avoids the episodes with like very like masculine men and you guys are not that at all. So no, we're like the inverse. We're like the inverse of that, really. Um, just every every time we have a wrestler on the show, Kyle's like, oh, I can't be there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what if he puts me in a headlock? You're like, we're doing this remotely, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> you never I think, know. I think I did scare him off when the first time we had Mitch Clark on, because uh, that was in person. That was right, right when the pandemic was about to hit. And uh, the plan was to let Mitch Clark choke me out on air. Um, because I have no, I have no shame. I have, yeah, I'm just a garbage person and I can, I'm okay with that. But I guess Kyle has standards for himself. Uh, you millennials and your TikTok challenges. Can't keep up. <laughs> hey, fuck. I don't know if I've ever seen a full TikTok. I, I, oh God, whatever. Let's talk about horror movies. Jeff, what sure. have you seen recently? Uh, can played? I start with a video? Yes. I was there hoping to start with a, a video game. Uh, I won't get into PS5 stuff because although I'm lucky enough to obtain one, uh, there's not really anything out for it. But uh, I did recently complete a game with that's not a horror game, but the ending was horrific. And it's, it's additionally horrific because I actually included George in this. Uh, the game is called Brothers, um, a Tale of Two Sons. And it's a really, you know, as a guy who's trying to get his girl, his daughter into gaming, I'm trying to find games that are collaborative, a little bit of puzzle solving, uh, have a story she can invest in. So this game has all of that. It's your two brothers and you go through this adventure and solve puzzles and I'm the bigger brother. So we're at the end and I didn't, I should have looked it up, but we get to the end and there's a giant spider you're trying to beat. I get stung and I fall down this like tunnel, this hole. Uh, after Georgia defeats the spider, she finds me. I die from my injuries. Like I die as he's over my body. I'm like, oh shit. This so my character, well. he's he's shaking the corpse, trying to like revive him. It's like the end of my girl, you know. And <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. Games don't do this. It's that's not enough. So my guy dies. The George's character, which she has to actually use with button context sensitive uh, inputs has to put me in a grave and kick dirt on my body. <laughs> this is the end of the game. And then the game has another 20 minutes where she actually has to like do some platforming. I'm like, this could not have went any worse. <laughs> All of the goodwill built to this point was destroyed. She jumped platforming. She couldn't even move the controller. She was melting down so hard. <laughs> so I like that um, you forced her to stick with it though. <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not raising no quiz. There's a lesson at the end of this. <laughs> was yeah, that was lesson, by, by chance, did you do this to sort of low-key let her know that you wish you would have had two sons? <laughs> <laughs> I hope, there's a lesson there. I hope she absorbed it for sure. That's certainly one. Uh, avoid giant spiders. Um, and uh, don't quit. Never quit. But um, she has yet to finish the game, even though I looked. Even up when I'm fucking like, dead and buried, you will never quit, <laughs> dude. She had to kick the dirt on my body. It was like the in a casino, or they're like burying Pesci. So, um, 
all like it was such a great experience and then completely now she fucking hates the game so um not horror game but i feel like the ending kind of warranted sharing on here for sure what's like what's that what's that game called again it's actually a really good game it's called uh tale of two it's called brothers a tale of two sons (laughs) just it's just really traumatic Okay, so and that is like because I, I haven't kept up with any of the PS5 exclusive. Like, is that a PS4 game that you played on it's PS5? A, it's a PS4 game, but okay. um, yeah, we played on PS4. But but I'll, I'll get into. I picked. I mean, last time we were on Idle Hands, like, was it two years ago, Mitch? Or? Yeah, I'm. First of all, I'm sorry. It's just you know when we start getting guys like Eduardo Sanchez and Monroe Chambers, we just it's pretty easy to forget you guys. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any of their names in your Rolodex you want to name drop? Or? Are you good? Uh, I think, okay, I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Okay. Okay. Um, well, thanks for having us. Uh, just thanks for letting us grace your presence. Um, <laughs> Must have uh, really been, I did, been hard trying to find people, I guess. <laughs> fuck, uh, I, I can't find anyone. I, for, I, I forgot to text Mitch how many people he texted before he landed on his job. <laughs> believe, believe it or not, Jeff, you were the first person I texted. But I think it, part of that has to do with like, we we pretty much have had a like steady text conversation going that we just dip in and out of since we became friends. And almost entirely it is to bitch at each other about each other's opinions. <laughs> pretty much all later box strantings. Um, yeah. but yeah, but now I shifted to Johnny. So that worked out well. Yeah, um, I just fucking been getting yeah. taken well, let, by you guys lately. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, we, Jeff's been coming right for me with all my letterbox ratings. But does quick question for, and I'm sorry for the listeners out there right now, but does Jeff send you screenshots of our conversations with each other? Like he does with, uh, he sends me screenshots of like him and Thomas talking and, uh, but there have been times where I've roasted Johnny hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure I've got some of those. I've got pretty thick skin, so I, I can let oh, myself roll with it. But um, definitely, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's definitely uh, about me, I assume. Not not recently, so if you've been serving up some new ones, please let me know. Oh, I got some good ones in the bank. Okay, don't, well, save them for the show. I will never let anyone forget that you gave Walter Mitty five stars. That's a fun <laughs> movie. It's a good movie. You're literally the one person on the planet Earth. Everybody ever... hated it, uh, but I commercial. really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a great time. Okay. All right. hey, Johnny, Johnny, you know who didn't have thick skin? Zach Braff in Garden State. <laughs> Another five-star banger. All right, but the reason I was asking about the last time we were on is because uh, um, I, I had to like siphon through all the horror movies I basically saw since then. And I picked three, uh, since then, so I can bang them out now or we can rotate through, but I picked three since. All right. I want to hear one from Johnny and then we'll pass it back to you. We'll do like a little scattered. Well, let's do the, what is that called? The slithery snake where we toss it off to each other. <laughs> let's each take it. Let's turn. toss the slithery snake. Yeah. <laughs> so John, Johnny, what have you been up to? Um, I've been obviously tearing through a lot while it's been the pandemic. Um, but I've been going back and like trying to catch up on movies that I haven't seen, um, and or should have seen, or also movies I just love, the or like the ones that are comfortable for me. So I've been watching a lot of um, older movies, but also probably my favorite one that for some reason has just been sitting uh, like on the horror uh, side of things that's been sitting there forever that I haven't haven't watched. I finally watched Ready or Not like maybe a couple months ago. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, oh man! I would have guessed that. Oh, it's it was fun. just 
such a ride the whole time. Just I was just cheering the whole time. Just insane kills, and like just the concept is it actually plays a little to um, my pick later on in some ways. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just like they're just it was just so hardcore in like in a, the most fun way. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a really good one. So if you haven't seen it. Everyone's everyone's probably seen that by now. It's like three years old I, now. But yeah, I don't. I I feel like that's one that's still got past a lot of people. Like that. Like I saw that one in the theater back when you could do that. And uh, yes, Mara Weaving, Adam Brody, those are the first people that come to mind for me. But it's the or they're playing a game of Ready or Not in uh, the royal royal family, basically, mm-hmm. which now we're seeing play out in real time in real life. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. I would love the royals to do that. But just yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love to see how uh, Meghan Markle stacks up, and if <laughs> Pierce Morgan gets involved in any of it, or I don't know, <laughs> there's a good movie there. Yeah, yeah I, hey, I, I believe. Hey, so Johnny, you know what? You know what movie took that concept and made it better? Thirty One. Jesus Christ! Wait a second, the Rob Zombie <laughs> flick. Yeah, well, like the aristocrats forcing <laughs> the peasants into the, the game of life or death. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, I, that I, sounds I like a hard pass stuff. on that one. I mostly designed to antagonize Mitch, but no, Ready or Not's awesome. I really enjoyed that. I think it's uh, one of those movies we'd be hard pressed to not get something good out of it. Yeah, definitely. It's just a fun, fun time in the movies and watching people get killed, which is what we're what here for, baby. That's what yeah, we want. That's more of like the the tone I've definitely been watching is more things that I like don't get too serious on me um, because like after this year the world's been serious enough so if i can find things that can kind of open that up it's uh i'm, I'm all for a little more fun okay so that's why you told us to watch man bites dog then i, <laughs> I was just, yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say that yeah <laughs> well I literally like that. i forget how long ago it was and i was i was suggesting to i don't even know who it was it was one of you guys on uh, on your podcast and i was like i someday i want to come on and talk about man bites dog um and now we're finally doing it. So it's been like yeah. years in the making. Yeah, Johnny, absolutely. between this and uh, Walter Media, I'm pretty close to sending a wellness check over to your place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching Man Bites Dog. I was like, the one dude who gave Walter Media five star ratings also recommended Man Bites Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to dive into that. I have a lot of questions, put it that way. Yeah, awesome. All right, Jeff. What, or actually, I guess I'll go quickly if you guys don't mind. I might, if I, yep. you say so myself, uh, I want to talk about one that I saw a while ago, but it, I can now talk about it because as of today, it has been released on Netflix and that is the block Island sound. Have either of you guys heard about this film? No, no. Nope. All right. So this is one that, uh, like we obviously wanted to play at the, the Saskatoon fantastic film festival, but, uh, series of events i think their press kit wasn't ready for it but it is i'm just going to read the imdb synopsis because i saw this movie like six months ago and i can't recall everything i just know that i really liked it um but the synopsis is something lurks off the coast of block island silently influencing the behavior of fisherman tom lynch after suffering a series of violent outbursts he unknowingly puts his family in grave danger uh so this is a very lovecraftian style horror it's a very restrained lovecraftian um horror movie and i thought it was fucking awesome it's it's lovecraftian in the sense that you're scared of what you can't see it's a they really work in their budget restraints very very well in this movie 
and it ends up just telling a really compelling story of really good characters. This really this family dynamic uh, that gets shuffled by all of this madness that is happening around their town. Um, and it's a very, very grounded take on a Lovecraft story. Uh, like, I obviously, I can't say that it's based off an actual Lovecraft story, but it is just a movie about madness and what can happen with too much information. And it's a movie that I really recommend to people. And yeah, you can crack that right into the mic next time if you want, Johnny. <laughs> I was really trying to keep it a little quiet. <laughs> Last time I did that, I spilt beer all over my floor. So that's why I'm like, fuck it, man. Let her, let her fly. But yeah, the Block Island Sound, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's on Netflix right now for everyone to see. So um, nice. I definitely recommend it. Don't My only, um, without spoiling anything, I'm not going to spoil a single second of this movie, just don't expect a creature feature or, you know, when everyone, when people generally hear the words Lovecraft, they think of Cthulhu or like squid monsters mm-hmm. or something of those sorts. And uh, it's neither of those things. Uh, but it is a movie that I think both Jeff and Johnny would really like. So I wanted to mention it on this episode and it's now free for you to watch if you have Netflix. I know Jeff's not going to be able to use your uh, Netflix account anymore, Johnny, because <laughs> they're cracking down on those passwords. So Jeff might have to <laughs> Jeff might have to pay for his own Netflix subscription. Uh, uh, we, we had a good run. <laughs> but I, I just want to say as far as like Lovecraftian stuff, isn't it kind of funny how like like Lovecraftian is kind of a genre into itself, but like, I, I can't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but I personally can't recall any instance of like a movie faithfully adapting one of his novels into like a film. Like I know there's kind of creature elements they pull from his books, but is there any actual like movie where it's just like from one of his books and just putting on like an ad, like a faithful adaptation? I'm going to say no, only because studios you know, rightfully so expect women and people of color to be in the story as well. (laughs) And, uh, if you know anything about Lovecraft, he was not down for that stuff. So, uh, that's what I like most about all of these, like, like even Lovecraft country. And I did a recent episode on from beyond and Dagon and those movies, they all, it's almost like they, they do improve on Lovecraft stories by adding characters that he was intolerant towards. Uh, so that's something that I really, I'm almost glad that we don't have a really, really faithful Lovecraft story. Cause you know, you look at reanimator, it's absolutely nothing like the story, but oh, right. uh, it's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. I know he was to use a Kyle were problematic. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you're, you're, were you one of the people? Okay. Cause I got multiple messages about Kyle saying that a movie was uh dangerous. <laughs> that really triggered a lot of people. <laughs> So I'm like, fuck yeah, noogie this yeah. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Garden State's, Garden State's dangerous, but beyond oh, that, I can't think of terrible. any other examples. But yeah, Garden State <laughs> is dangerous. Is. Throw out, gonna wear that soft hat. <laughs> yeah, throw out your hair, throw out your medication, and fall in love with an underage girl. You're good. <laughs> and get, and, and Don't a good the soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeff. What um, do you got for a horror movies? All right. Well. Uh, again, it was hard to narrow it down to three, but one of the ones I picked uh, was Valentine. I watched it uh, a couple weeks back, and <laughs> I've seen it before. But Jeff, I mean, like, like, Jeff, is that the old slasher one from like the 2000s? Yeah, like 2002, I believe. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, Jeff you, have, you haven't been on in two years, <laughs> and one of your three picks is Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I like Possessor lost a 
vote to this too. Um, oh my god, have you watched the Possessor? Instead, yeah, that's why I said I lost out to it. It's fucking awesome, but it okay. couldn't place above Valentine. Um, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt for one second about Possessor. <laughs> Every single time I try and watch it, not having a horror person uh, to watch with uh, during a pandemic is very very difficult. So I'm like. Oh, this is supposed to be awesome. Like, I've heard you guys talk about it all the time. Let's watch it. Well, it's a tough sell. And like the cover is not helping things. And I'm trying to like describe it. Just tell tell her it's Inception, but uh, a horror movie. There you go. Sure. She said, choose wisely. We can because I was talking about coming on here and how it's like I never get to watch any of these movies. And she's like, you can pick one, but choose wisely. And next time we'll watch one. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is going to go poorly. <laughs> Inception, but horror movie. That's a great elevator pitch there, Mitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jeff, the um, one guy no. on Earth who doesn't like Inception. It's, it's, we it's, can't we can't get into it. It's gonna, yeah. We're going to be here too all big. night. It's too big. Hey, you carve out the last 20 minutes. I'm in. But Okay, um, Valentine. Valentine. Valentine's. So uh, right. I'm sure you guys are the same as me in this way, but like with through COVID, like it's it has a way of like shifting like how you look at things, or at least you notice things that you wouldn't before. Uh, like for example, like I was at the yard the other day, and I wasn't really having a good time. For you people not from Saskatoon, it's one of our big pubs, and I couldn't figure out why because I fucking love the yard. And then after about 20 minutes, it hit me. I don't because of covid i don't like dark places anymore like there's like two windows in the yard yeah and i just like wasn't feeling like darkness and all pubs are dark so i guess i'm gonna spend my whole life at the brewhouse from now on but <laughs> our one saskatoon's thing, number one covid hot spot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. the brew house yeah i think i saw that one of their flyers actually but yeah. um one, one of the other adverse effects of covid is like I just I, I'm starting to gravitate toward movies that have a big ensemble cast of really good looking people. Um, <laughs> like it just makes me kind of no matter what the movie's presenting, I'm like, this is working for me. So I watched Valentine recently on that level, really worked. Um, it's got this thing that was and Mitch as a, a fellow critic, if I know what you did last summer, you, you know what I mean here. It's got this thing that the early two thousand horror movies did where um it was a kind of a whodunit, but they offered no clues along the way. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> no, just like, wait till like, the end. Wait till the end. We'll tell you then fuck red yeah. herrings and story plot. Fuck all that. Let's just give you hot people and wait till the end. <laughs> yeah. Give us your money. It's coming. You stupid Don't worry. Bitch. Yeah. It's, you got it's your like the opposite. Of, <laughs> it's like the opposite of six cents where like, if you watch it, you can kind of piece together where it's going. There's no fucking way in Valentine. You could ever like, you can guess it right, but there's no way you could like properly analyze the clues and lead you there. It's just, it all leads up to the mask reveal. Um, and that's really it. So, um, I liked it from that angle. I just was like, I'm hanging back. I just see a bunch of like beautiful people. One of them is killing someone, else, some, everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why yet, but, get uh, any clues along the way. don't know why. Yeah. And actually I never really do know why. But uh, there's an art show that's always cool in a horror movie. Um, and uh, the reveal offered no satisfaction whatsoever, but it was a fun ride. I had a good time with Valentine. Um, good I don't know if you guys are hanging. <laughs> are you really down on that movie? 
Uh, I do not like Valentine. I've tried multiple times because I am a fan of like the Valentine falls under the category of I know what you did last summer. I would even say I know what you did last summer is a little bit better. And that's saying something because I do not like that movie. But any movie where you see Denise wow. Richards get murdered in a hot tub, you automatically at least Valentine had kills, I guess. So uh, I will say yeah. that that's why it's better. The last but time Dave- I watched Those- that was in theaters. And I think that's just fine. That's where Valentine? I realized, yeah, the real, I realized that's where I can leave it. Yeah. There's no more I need to see of this. No. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, well, I've never say, been a David Boreanaz guy. I was just going to say, I believe he might be one of the worst five actors in the last 30 years. And that includes like straight to video. Like he's that bad. But uh, man, you know what? Don't, don't put a mask on those people. They're good. Those are good looking <laughs> folk. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my that's my first pick with a bullet. <laughs> All right, so you heard it here first, folks. Valentine, uh, <laughs> Some, somewhere somewhere Boozy's smiling, but I guess yeah. he never listens to these anyways. So. <laughs> All right, Johnny, what uh, what do you got? What else you've seen? Um, have you guys watched uh, the Ripper series? Did you guys watch that on Netflix? I never nope. finished it. I think I started it, but I was uh, too high. that'll happen it's not necessarily one to take in you're not gonna like wow this is so much better when i'm high no (laughs) it's just gruesome it's really (laughs) unnecessary (laughs) i didn't really know what i was getting into i honestly didn't know the story at all um so i was very oblivious to it uh for anyone that doesn't know i'm just i'll read it here it's the in the 1970s the brutal murders of sex workers and and economically depressed areas of the UK spark little public interest until a keen or teen is also killed. I kind of, you know, you know anyway, um, <laughs> it's really good. It's really well done. Four part series. Uh, so you can take it in pretty quick. It's, uh, it's really broken up well, and the story doesn't start to slow down. It's always giving you something new. Um, and I, you're just like, I can't believe this is fucking real. I can't believe this is an actually actual thing that happened. And uh, it's it's crazy that there's, you know, just you're kind of tracking it along the way with them if you don't know the full story. And you're just like, I don't know where this is leading. And it was like a really good movie. But it, unfortunately, it was real life. So um, a really good series, though, on Netflix. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to actually watch that because I, I don't know when I get. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but uh, like Johnny, you were saying that when you get kind of down or I think uh, both of you guys are saying this in some way Mm -hmm. uh, that you just go for either comfort movies or you go for things with really good looking people. (laughs) Um, My thing, my thing is reality. Like Mm -hmm. I, when I'm depressed, I get sucked into documentaries and true crime and stuff like Mm -hmm. that because not like uh, you you don't just like go and watch survivor or something. Not that reality. No. Yeah. Like reality (laughs) as in like, I remember a couple, like, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. This is a deep poll, but I got really into like uh, taxi to the dark side. Have either of you guys seen that one? It's, yeah, that's no. like, it's an old like war. Uh, well, I think it came on like 2004. It was when Bush was in office, but it's mm-hmm. all about the like the torture that Americans inflicted on people overseas. And it, yeah, it's brutal. Wow. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, on, a l- <laughs> on a lighter note, uh, I specifically chose the movies that I'm going to be talking about today to cater towards you two guys and... A uh, special friend or mutual friend of the show, previous guest, shout out Thomas Winemaster, uh, because the next two movies that I'm talking about 
are two movies that I think I might have had the exact same opinions on as as Thomas, and that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, and the reason I know that is because of Letterboxd. I see Thomas's reviews, and um, when I watched Synchronic, which I'm about to talk about, I went to rate it, and I saw I saw uh, Thomas had rated it as well and left a little review. And his review, like, pretty much described exactly what I think about it. But Synchronic, it's the latest film from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, who are a directing duo who did uh, Spring, Resolution, and The Endless. They're very, very good independent filmmakers. But uh, this movie is their first foray into a semi-studio picture, I guess you would say. Uh, The story is the lives of two paramedics spiral out of control after encountering multiple drug-related deaths that stem back to a new designer drug called Synchronic. Uh, It stars Jamie Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades of Grey fame and uh, Anthony Mackie, who is the Falcon from the MCU universe. Uh, But yeah, this movie in general, I just to start talking about it, I guess it's, it's a really ambitious concept, which seems to be Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead's shtick like that's just the thing that they do but they've i've never really seen them work with like quote unquote a-list actors and a little bit of a larger budget um i'm not not to say that this movie is a huge budget film or anything but it just definitely seems like it's a little bit more expensive than their other films that they've made but my problem with the movie is that it just kind of feels like it gets a little ahead of itself sometimes Uh, i do think this is going to be a movie that johnny in particular is going to adore uh, cause, and I think this door, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because, um, this could probably fall under the, uh, umbrella of movies that I have said that I didn't like. And then a couple months down the road, I come back and go, fuck, that's one of my favorite movies. Like Dr. <laughs> Don't Dr. you say Sleep. that about every movie? I did that with Dr. Sleep and Midsummer. Those are the two ones. Jeff, don't get started on Midsummer. Uh, th- this one, I think my problem with it is that it's, uh, I really wanted to be able to go deeper into the story, but the tone of everything was just so mixed up because it's starring Anthony Mackie, who is like, you know, you can't hire Anthony Mackie and expect him to not bring his comedy flair to the role. And that is something that Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead have done before. They have humor in their movies, but it's not the like kind of slapsticky out there humor of Anthony Mackie. And um, I not to say I'm a fan of Anthony Mackie. I like him enough. Uh, but I just think he honestly kind of derailed the movie for me because all these scenes of levity and all these scenes of like genuine heartbreak, you have a tough time feeling anything because Anthony Mackie throws in a, uh, does he, does he try and avoid his like humor side by being serious or does he do the opposite of throwing in his bit of humor and attitude into it and takes you out of it? I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like Anthony Mackie's always kind of similar. <laughs> he always <laughs> yeah. kind of plays the same character and he does. Yeah the exact same thing in this role as well. And okay. um, I honestly think that the movie would have been better if they would have been more restricted with budget and everything. And if they could have gotten like, you know, they have some of the, their other movies like spring resolution, the endless is starring both of them, like the writers and directors, Justin Benson, and Aaron Moorhead. But, um, and I think that those, they pulled off their vision a little better than what these A-list actors can do. But it also, this is a movie that's being made for a wide audience. I'm sure I'm the one, looking, judging by Letterboxd, I am probably enjoyed it the least out of anyone that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's only because like, I feel like the tone is just all over the place. I couldn't tell what it wanted to be. Uh, at one moment, it's really tense and suspenseful. And, you know, obviously, like, there's always comedy 
comedy arcs in movies and they always like throw throw things off and mix things up with a little bit of comedy but in this case it almost entirely derails the the movie for me and i think i need to give it another look but uh as of right now i feel like i feel like the having two stars in the movie was actually detrimental to the story for me uh, yeah the thing is though the, the comedy it did make me laugh like there were funny moments but it entirely took me out of the movie whenever it happened um, but Do you yeah, think the know. star power though can help put it put these guys on the map more though? Definitely. Like, be, yeah. So Definitely. I think maybe that that's the shoe in there. It's like, yep. well, it may and, not have been as good because of it, but at least we get these guys here to get people aware of what's going on. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I also think though, like like I said before, people seem to be really enjoying it. So I definitely still encourage people to check it out for yourselves. But if you listen to the Terror Table often enough, and you kind of know my tastes and everything. Uh, it's one that just at the end of by the time the credits rolled, it just didn't fully click for me. <laughs> I wasn't as in love with it as I wanted to be, but it it is a very like visually mind bending cerebral story with some wild ideas at play, and uh, that's what we come to know from those filmmakers. Like Walter just... Mitty, Walter Mitty Wild, or <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> okay, then I don't know if I'll be able to take it in. Yeah, I said there's no Pepsi in this movie. Uh, I do have a couple observations here, Mitch. First, you've seen, man, you've seen more movies than anybody I've ever met. Trust your first fucking instinct. I don't think you need to, like, uh, feel the need to, like, go back into movies and, like, re-examine them and try to find, you know, things that might work for you better. Man, your cred's good enough. I think you can probably decipher where the movie should land with your first viewing. Just my take. Now, my other question is... um, you mentioned Midsommar and uh, Doctor Strange made two movies. I'm not Dr. getting Sleep. into it, don't worry. Doctor Sleep, sorry. Um, as two movies that made you like really change your stance on upon second and third viewings, correct? Yeah. Now, is that because you saw the director's cut of both? Uh, actually, you know what? That could be very true. Is because both of those I did come around to more because of the director's cuts. But I think it was also just my state of mind and that makes me a horrible critic when i say well I, yeah it depends on my mood if i'm gonna like this movie or not but i i do think yeah, honestly that makes more sense if uh, it was the director's cuts that that landed for me a little bit better than theatrical which happened for both well, of those movies well if you see it on mind fluctuates that much then maybe you can erase my first observation maybe you should re- watch every movie three times um and then kind of create create an aggregate of all three viewings um <laughs> but um i don't know like i've always found like usually like if i see a movie and i, I land up on a pretty firm opinion it's pretty fucking rare that if subsequent viewings will really alter it it happens but um is that johnny is that is that common with you Where like you revisit something like wow totally missed the mark the first time no, it's pretty rare. Um, unless someone really gives me a new light to maybe see it in. Um, there's movies that might get a little bit better the more that I watch them, but I've already liked them enough to go back and revisit. Uh, I'm I'm not as ambitious to go back in uh, on a movie that I'm like, eh, lukewarm on. I'm like, yeah. I'll find something. There's something here for me. In in my defense for both of those movies, though, es- especially Doctor Sleep, though, that's a that's a sequel to The Shining. It's from a director sure. that I love, 
and uh, the the cast I'm a big fan of. I should that movie should have been a home run for me, so that's why I felt like I needed yeah. to see it again. That makes um, but but with Midsummer, it was just total chance. Like we honestly, I was dreading watching it again, but I was like, "Fuck it, we're in quarantine. There's nothing going on. Let's watch this three hour Midsummer cut, and I can go to sleep. I can sleep on the couch if I don't if I'm hating it like I did the first time." But I ended up just being glued to it. So, are, aren't you on speaking terms with the director of Doctor um, Sleep? <laughs> not any, not anymore. Not <laughs> since <laughs> I, it was you guys that Jeff. That was you that came up with. Uh, he looks like the kind of guy who wears a t-shirt in the pool. <laughs> yeah, and, and he eats mashed potatoes for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Maybe, maybe yeah. when you strike up conversation uh, next time, you can be like, "Hey, remember I'm the guy about the t-shirt in the pool?" Yeah. Oh fuck you. <laughs> Yeah. okay so <laughs> yeah but that's no that job is for me okay. yeah so that that is synchronic i do still recommend it because i still gave it like it's a it i didn't hate it by any means it's just out of even me not loving a justin benson and aaron moorhead movie immediately puts it at the bottom of their catalog for me uh because i'm a big fan of their films mm-hmm. and uh so this one probably landed the the least out of all three of the ones that i've seen so far so uh, but I do think it's a movie that a lot of people are going to enjoy. If that sounds cool to you, paramedics, you know, dealing with a, a new designer street drug that's killing people and doing strange things to them, then uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. But I just, I didn't love it. So that, that doesn't that kind of blow though. when like you're, you're kind of following like a director's trajectory and like you just see upwards, upwards, upwards. Uh, and then there's kind of a misstep and you're like, well, we're kind of back at ground zero. Like uh, last it's episode, happening. you guys are, <laughs> are we are we gonna get to the, the the roller coaster and waves and fluctuations of a shemalion? I'm not quite prepared to go there, yeah. but in the last episode, like uh, uh, I think Kyle was talking, he saw Polytechnique, right? And yeah, uh, Villeneuve's like his arc is just like he just keeps going up, right? So there's no reason to like expect the next one to be a, anything but an amazing fucking experience. But it's always a little disheartening when like, you're kind of following that same. Uh, whatever you want to call a career arc and then there's like ah oh, shit they're like, now they did this oh so, dude you're uh, explaining you're explaining christopher nolan perfectly for me <laughs> like that's what's happened with nolan's movies for me ever since interstellar I'll, I'll accept no shit talking of dark knight rises so let's i move like on. dark knight rises i, I just like watched that, that again the other day yeah. actually i actually like that movie i think that movie gets a bad rap but uh interstellar what a turd I love that movie. I love. I knew you would. Yeah, I, knew you would. <laughs> I, I saw Johnny uh, at the bar the night after he saw Interstellar. I wasn't with him. I just ran into him. He was a few pints deep, and he's like, "Ah, oh, Interstellar! I just saw it. One of the fucking best flicks I've seen in years." And I hadn't seen it at the time, so I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to check this thing out." Then I saw it, and then, <laughs> well, it makes sense with the Baltimore. No. I didn't know the Walter Mitty rating at that point. So yeah. I sort of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that and Johnny is probably just sitting there crying over his pint going, Murph, 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 <laughs> for an hour. Was, yeah, that's what it's like, like, Yeah, his hands are moving everywhere. He's like, you got to see it. It's like, there's, if, if you're nine years, you're 100 years. <laughs> yeah. You'll get it. You'll get it. <laughs> yeah, I never did. But yeah, it's always a bummer when it kind of a, a director you're like loving. Like, this is it. This is it. And then it's like, 
and we're back. I need to be clear that I do not think Synchronic was like a bad movie by any means. It just didn't land for me the way that, you know, their other films have. And that's fine. But I, I also know what you're meaning, Jeff. Uh, but I do yeah. honestly really think that Johnny out of, but Johnny, you you will almost for sure like Synchronic. I could, nice. I'll check it yeah, out for sure. I think you'll dig it. Uh, but Jeff, what else do you got other oh, than that's Valentine? Good, <laughs> that's <laughs> my little thing there about directors was a good segue into uh, my next pick, which is The Dark and the Wicked, which uh, has Brian Bartino on uh, an arc that I'm like, uh, if you disappoint me, man, I'll be very heartbroken. So I I got around to watching Dark and Wicked about a month ago. Um, I loved The Strangers. I was uh, was totally on board with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Strangers 2 didn't. He didn't do that one, though. That's that's why I'm creating an asterisk there. Yeah. But uh, as far as I see it, the guy's pitching no hitter. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't have a lot of things on this one because I don't think um, there's a ton to dissect on this movie. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as most. Um, I rated it, I think, four and a half out of five, which I might have to revise. I think there's a bit of recency bias. But um, I, I, I guess... My problem with Dark and the Wicked, if I had to name uh, a misfire with this movie, is it almost feels like depression is the goal, like making yeah. mm. the viewer feel like just complete shit, which I like. I like being in the gallows, but yeah, look at the strangers. The strangers does the same thing. Yes, exactly. But, but with the strangers, it does it for a purpose, though, right? Exactly, Johnny. It kind of intertwined a, a very engaging horror story with a lot of suspenseful moments. And it left you feeling like garbage, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in this place um, as as part of an organic journey that left me here. But with here, I just feel like he was just, his goal was just to like, I'm just going to like fucking kick the shit out of the viewer. And he's a great filmmaker and the writing was good and the acting was great. So it worked. I felt really badly after this movie, but um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you have to have that as a byproduct of a brutal horror story and not designed just to create kind of a, a down the dumps uh, reaction. Um, I just felt, yeah, there just wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of fat on this movie at all. Like, I don't think there was a lot of wasted lines. There certainly wasn't any wasted scenes, but at the end I felt um, like this hit me in the fucking gut. But the more I thought about it, I'm like the way that it took me there. I don't think it was overly impressive, but great movie. Just, um, uh, I think he he could do better. That's all. That's yeah. that's how I took that's how I took in the movie. But it's just depression. The movie though, <laughs> that movie is just <laughs> incredibly depressing, and that's why I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I can't disagree with you on any of that. That it's uh, there isn't a lot of fat on that movie. There's not a lot to chew on. Uh, but it is just like an effective horror movie. But is it the best horror yeah. movie of the last ten years? Like some people say, fuck no. Like it's just it's a really yeah. good movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to compartmentalize horror into like separate, like this is what works, what doesn't. But there, there was no um, like suspense, and there was no real efforts to like actually scare the viewer. It was, um, it's just a very strategic descent into hell. And I don't know. I just think there could have been more uh, of an effort to like make us think about why this was happening. Uh, a bit more of an effort is to like may- maybe a sustained set piece where the viewers like really like, holy shit, like what's happening next? Like this is some fucked up shit. I, I don't need like a lot of 
theatrics. I don't need like a, a crazy scene that's like um, a backward, like you know, crawling down the stairs backwards scene, like an Exorcist. But I think I need a little bit more than what Bertina was providing. Um, really good horror movie. Uh, it's certainly nothing to write them off, but it's just uh, I don't think it's quite as strong as people seem to make it out to be but that's just how i took it in but uh, yeah i mean just enough to give it a four and a half out of five but right, it's going down to a two t- <laughs> so now it's going down to a two <laughs> just trust <laughs> your gut yeah. instinct jeff just trust your gut the first time <laughs> well, i'm gonna have to watch that a couple more times so. <laughs> but, um yeah no it was good uh what do you got johnny um for my last one the, one of the only films that actually hit theaters um, and very much popcorn heavy, uh, Freaky. Did you guys oh. watch this movie? Did you watch Freaky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Freaky. Oh. It's a blast. Yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of fun, and it, like it goes right to what I was what I've been looking for. Um, Vince Vaughn is awesome in it. There's there's some like cringy moments, but overall, like um, you know, I think the concept still works, and I think this was a fun twist on the standard concept that we've seen of the freaky Fridays and things like that. But, um, yeah, like it was just, I I like the, like kind of modernizing the story. I thought they did a good job of that. I loved some of the revenge kills that you're like, finally we get that bitch, you know, just little things like that. But it was, it was, it was a good time. Very simple, very easy, but uh, I really liked what they did, did with it. Yeah, Vaughn, Vince Vaughn especially was so damn good in that movie. Yeah. Uh, was not expecting him to be as good as he was. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you prefer the hot chick or freaky <laughs> with Rob freaky. Schneider? What's going, what's going on here? <laughs> very similar films. Very similar I, films. I'll take freaky all day. I honestly think, it, you know, it could have. this could have been a good return for uh, Rob Schneider. If he could have landed that role. <laughs> Come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Vince Vaughn was great because he's so I, huge. I have to Google this movie right away that Johnny's talking about. <laughs> You've never seen Freaky? Oh, you compar- Freaky? No. Yeah, it's what? a good one, man. No. It's, a, it's one of the better Blumhouse, uh, like, thir- like teeny, teeny type horror movies. But the mm-hmm. thing is, Freaky is actually, like, brutally violent, too. Yeah. That's one of the things that made it so good. Is that it? Like, didn't really pull any punches when it came to the slasher aspect of things. No, but it just kind of like glossed. It just made it glossy. So you're like, no, we're having fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that guy just went through a fucking table saw. All right, yeah. no, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's just a fun horror movie. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I'm happy you yeah. enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, I got, got one it. last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna name off, and it's because Thomas. Wine Master also felt the same about this movie. I know I'm speaking for someone who's not here, <laughs> but uh, anything for Jackson, which is a movie we were going to do on the podcast, which we canceled. Like we were, we were doing a three part exorcism series and anything for Jackson was my pick. Do you cancel it when you find out Thomas liked it? No, I didn't, but I was, uh, Thomas was actually, he made me, his review made me feel better about liking it because so many people beat up on this thing and it's on shutter and I think this thing is a fucking blast. Uh, so this is from the writer of Fast and the Furriest. What is <laughs> happening this episode? What, what the hell? Are we back Just, in idle hands? What? Okay, so I, 
Yeah, I need to quickly say something about this movie. Okay, so Anything for Jackson, it's the movie that people have been calling a reverse exorcism film because it follows uh, an elderly couple who lose their grandson tragically and by means of satanic black magic and occult worshipping, they try to bring back their their grandson uh, through a pregnant woman that they have kidnapped and locked into their house. Uh, so they're trying to bring oh an- another one of love these. story yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another one of these <laughs> anyways um the one the the thing is though when I first watched this movie I actually thought to myself I was like if like when you say that name out loud anything for Jackson it kind of sounds like a Hallmark movie and plot twist these guys have done nothing but Hallmark movies almost their whole career and I think that's fucking awesome because they have been working getting paid and making movies of the week whatever there's no shame in that uh but this was their little like side project that they wanted to get off the ground which is a crazy horror movie and sure it has some logistical holes in it some plot points that don't fully work uh but it's a movie about an old couple summoning a baby into a pregnant woman i don't understand how someone could be taking this movie as seriously to call it a bad movie or to say that it's trash because it's not but it's uh I don't know. It's just, it was a really fun time as I'm a big fan of religious horror movies and uh, specifically exorcism movies, possession movies and stuff like that. And I think this movie ticked off a lot of the boxes that I come to this subgenre for. And uh, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's very dark and twisted. There is some humor in it, but the practical effects and like the, the the gore and the blood in it i just thought was so good i thought that they really did a good job with this and it it made me like it more knowing that these guys came from a hallmark background because it's like they have <laughs> all there any hallmark this, like, moments the, uh they're actually you know well besides the name anything for jackson is a bad name yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it really also sending make, the wrong the yeah. wrong message with the name yeah, like if you if you if you had never heard of this movie before, you could put anything for Jackson on like any of those uh, old Miley Cyrus movies that like <laughs> yeah. the last song or whatever <laughs> with like what someone walking on a beach. Anything for Jackson, but uh, I don't know. I just I think that this movie is really clever in a lot of ways. I think the acting was pretty on point throughout, uh, specifically in the older couple. I thought that they did a really good job, uh, but it's. It just, it offered a few things new and that's something to be said. There's something to be said about that for, uh, an exorcism movie or, you know, like the, these movies have been done, especially someone who hosts a horror movie podcast. I've, I can't count how many times I've seen the same movie over and over again, uh, just with different titles. And this one has a little bit of a are you, fresh wait, are you talking, are, are you talking about Hallmark movies or exorcism movies? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they could be compared. They could both be very, they could be compared, yeah. but, uh. I don't know. I do like, I've heard a lot of people bitching about this movie about one scene in particular, and it's not, it's a spoiler, but not a spoiler. Like it's something I just want to address right now, but I don't understand how people are. They complain about how like these, so the old people are Satanists and they have to meet somewhere. They have to meet other Satanists and they meet at a community center. And it's basically like for Saskatoon folks, this is like uh Lake Lakewood Civic Center in the gym. Like that's like, you know, where they hold like AA meetings and shit like that. And but that's where the Satanists are meeting. I think that's fucking <laughs> hilarious. I love that. Like I, when I saw them got like a little juice the, in the corner. Yeah, they got their little <laughs> coffee and like there's like 
all these people look semi-normal and they just like will pull out their satanic bibles and start having like a study group or something i don't know i thought it was um i thought it was really fun but i don't know i just think like you know if you want to be really cliche you could have just like had them all meet in a cemetery or something but people would have made fun of that as well i just i i think that the humor was intentional in this movie and in the words of thomas this movie fucking rips i really enjoyed it and it's it's on uh it's on shutter I recommend it. I thought it was a blast. That's an all-time classic Thomas quote. <laughs> this movie um, rips. Who's anyone I love? It's Thomas. That's, what, that's one of his most uh, coherent quotes he's ever applied to a movie. Um, <laughs> it's not here, so we can see whatever we want. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, though, right? Like, I mean, if if they actually like stay close to like the trope of like where that kind of sect whatever would meet it's would be mocked so they kind of put a clever spin on like this is how this group is organized and then people are still like well that's not realistic i i I get they're in a hard place i think they picked the right choice from the sounds of it yeah i i know i personally i thought the movie had intentional humor and the humor worked uh for me i i just thought it yeah i really enjoyed it i'm enough to do I, i was like that's what started the whole us doing an exorcism series. I was like, guys, let's do you an exorcism series because I want to do this one. <laughs> uh, but then when I announced that I wanted to do this one, I got so many messages from people being like, that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> like, I can't believe you choose that. And I was like, well, maybe we'll just maybe need to that. watch it a few more times. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, he's six more rewatches. Yeah. <laughs> But come on, Mitch, you can't listen to the, you gotta like force it. Like you can't, uh, what would the Beatles release Sergeant Pepper if they were like, you know, we're going to let the people decide what our sound should be like, no man, you gotta like push no, your agenda I, down our throat. Yeah. That was, that wasn't the reason why we can't, we canceled it. Cause we had a lot of like, really, we had so many episodes banked. So it's like, we gotta just get these things out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I wanted to mention anything for Jackson. Cause I know some of our listeners have checked it out because they were expecting an episode and they didn't get it. Uh, so I wanted to share my thoughts on that here. And nice. uh, if, if I were a betting man, Kyle would have an issue with it and boozy would think it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thomas has, so there, Thomas has expressed his uh, rage personally to me several times about this omission. So I'll, I'll pass this on. Which omission? Like that we didn't do anything for Jackson? Boy, I'm joking. But okay. <laughs> so I was like, I and it says it's Thomas also on listen. Prime too. So if, uh, like, I know I'm not a Shutter person, so uh, you can also catch it on Prime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, this is one that both of you guys should definitely check out when you have a minute. Nice. And uh, I think you guys have a lot of those minutes right now. So <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> all too many. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll bail my, my last one. If you guys are okay with it. Yep. This, uh, okay. Mitch, one of my favorite episodes I, uh, I've heard from you guys was one you did with Jesse. What do you call him? You have like a, uh, Jambi. Jambi. There we go. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes with you with Jambi and he picked basket case. And yeah. it's one of those episodes that like where the mood perfectly and like the shipping thrown around was perfectly matched the movie. Like if basket case was melted to a vat and like arose in podcast form, it wasn't wouldn't be far off from like what you guys presented that day. <laughs> so I, I fucking <laughs> love that episode. So much. Was, Thank you. It was a great episode. It was it's so fun. But it did uh I put it off and then this October, uh around Halloween. I'm like, Oh, this is the time to watch basket case. Yes. Holy shit. I had a fucking blast with this. Johnny, have you heard of this movie? No. 
No, no, no. I'm looking at it. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, well, I guess the picture can describe it better than I can. But uh, I, I just, I didn't know what to expect because, I mean, listening to this movie is one thing, or like how people talk about it. But is this amazing, like, dichotomy of like this sweet dude, like trying to romance this girl, like a girl next door type, and he keeps hitting these like horrific hiccups when uh, uh, Belial, the, the the abomination in the basket, Belial would, Bradley, like, yeah, like he like make progress. <laughs> He made progress with this girl and then he come back to his apartment and he's like, he planted Belial in front of a TV. Like this will work. And Belial like obliterates some like hopeless doctor or something. <laughs> and Dwayne's like, Oh, come on, stop it. And he like stomps his foot in frustration. Um, and like this back and forth where like it shows like Belial doing some like crazy murderous shit. And it cuts to, like this really, like it's almost by the pier. Like there's a couple of scenes like, where Dwayne's like walking Riverside with this girl, like swooning her. And then a cut to Belial, like eating, disemboweling a guy. And like, it's, it's not just a funny dichotomy in this sense. How, uh, how uh, off tone each scene is, but it's amazing in the sense that you're kind of rooting for this love story to work, but you know, when he comes back, it's completely like, it's going to take uh, a, a bit of a hiccup, I guess. So I keep saying that, but, but, with the murderous scene found in his apartment. <laughs> and the only stumble it provides is it kind of removes a little bit of progress he makes with this girl. So um, I just loved it. I thought it was it was so much fun. The gore was... There's like two uh, really not great special effects scenes where it shows Belial attempt to move across the room. Um, <laughs> but those are also like great. It, that's what I was going to say. Like, even those are like, Oh my God. Like, I'm glad you showed me. him trying to traverse this room because <laughs> it's a complete train wreck. <laughs> and like, and normally most directors like would have like a kind of a, a, a thing in their head. That's like, well, we know limitations. That didn't work. <laughs> special effect. Well, we probably shouldn't include that cause it will look ridiculous, but this director is like, yeah, good enough. Um, so I, I, I loved that aspect where like these dates, the only kind of his murders are tied to just like this guy trying to get like date this girl. Um, so it's such a fun movie. Uh, it, it actually kind of reminded me of um, 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Basket <laughs> case and 10 things I hate about you. That's a good double in what, feature. <laughs> in what, in what we watched your movie. Now we'll watch my movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one specific plot device where the dad uh, in, Ten things I hate about you says to the, I don't know the actress's name, but he says, uh, you can't date until she dates. It's almost like uh, in the movie, <laughs> in Basket Case, <laughs> Dwayne can't date until Lyle stops his murderous rages. <laughs> that is a, try to nap. That's an incredible comparison, Jeff. <laughs> That is incredible. <laughs> no matter how much he scolds Belial, he just, he just keeps killing these, you know, physicians and whatnot. Um, it's it's one of the most fun horror movies I had in a long time. The pacing's perfect. Uh, it knows what it is. The gore, it holds up really well. Um, I would say it was undersold on that episode, but I think Jambi really provided exact, like the appeal of that movie is perfectly provided by Jambi that episode. Um Highly rec- like that's one of my most fun movies I've seen horror movies in like 20 years. By the way, you should get Jamie back on, man. Bring some fun back. 
<laughs> well, I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. I, all, all, these famous, all these famous directors and actors, cool, but come on, Jamie, get them back on. No, and if I'm honest, I would rather talk to Jambi than any of those people any day. So, like, he, he's one of my best friends. I love the guy. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that you enjoyed that episode. Cause, uh, yeah, he loves Basket Case more than anyone I've ever met. But you, need, you now have two sequels to check out. Because those Basket Case oh. sequels are fucking wild. <laughs> are they, like, so they don't get watching? together in the end? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Well, there's more to the story. You got to see more to find out. Well, sounds like a very the thick plot. The ultimate but, cock block. The original is obviously the best, but you're going to get even more insanity. I think it's the third one. That's just, yeah, like they, they are, they kind of bleed to those second and third one. They bleed together for me. But uh, that first one, it is a classic. That was at one point before I start collecting Criterion Blu-rays. That was the most expensive Blu-ray I'd ever bought. And was basket case. <laughs> Trying to bought, find it from some weird. I, like, well, I bought it from HMV, but it was fifty fucking dollars, oh. and I was like, "Oh, whatever." I was like, "I need basket case. I need this." And then I take it home, and it looks like the thing was filtered through sandpaper. Like the, the transfer was just awful. I was like, "Well, my DVD probably would have done just fine here." <laughs> Do you know how many mental synapses you would have had to bypass for your brain to accept you buying fifty dollar basket case DVD? <laughs> Oh, dude, that is, yeah, like that was, that was at one point my most expensive Blu-ray. It has uh, unfortunately been dethroned a couple times. It's like that Simpsons clip where Barney looks at his liver and it's like, you're just like, you're dead weight now. Like it's, yeah. at this point in your brain, it's like, well, what am I even here for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Mitch, one last, one last question. How many sequels are there to Basket Case? I believe there's just two. There's just three oh. Basket Case movies, but, uh. That, those those would be great for uh, your guys' movie nights that I know you guys do with uh, Thomas and Johnny. and um, yeah. yeah, I would definitely recommend those. If you have time to break from Olympus Has Fallen or whatever the fucking Gerard <laughs> Butler movies you guys are watching nowadays. No, no, actually, next one on our docket is uh, the four-hour Justice League cut. So, Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But Jeff put it. Jeff really put that into perspective for me last night. He's like, I just want to read the text because I told him like we were talking about that that three. Or honestly, I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. I did not know that it was four hours. I think it. Well, it's being done in like five or yeah. six parts too. Is it actually? Yeah. Oh man, they're doing like ep- episodic releases. Well, I told Jeff, I was like, you better believe I'm watching that Snyder Cut next Friday. He says, why? I said, man, I watched the beheading video of that journalist when I was like 13 years old. (laughs) Literally, literally nothing can stop me from watching things I shouldn't be watching. (laughs) And his response was perfect. He's like, yeah, but imagine that beheading being spread over four hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take a fucking miracle gonna take a miracle no. can't wait for the snyder cut <laughs> jesus um all right anything else you guys want to touch on before we get into the main feature all right let's go off let's head off to the main feature see you on the other side warning what you will see in the movie pieces cannot be revealed cannot be described cannot even be imagined and you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. 
And we've reached our main feature presentation in which we're going to be talking about both Pieces from 1982 and Man Bites Dog from 1992. But we're going to be starting off with Jeff's pick, which is Pieces. Uh, So, Jeff, I'm going to throw it to you. Why did you choose Pieces? What's it about? Who made it? You know the drill. Go ahead. Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's a 1982 uh, mostly slasher movie. Um, It was directed by a household name, Jay Jay Pacor Simone. It's technically a foreign film. I want to say, oh, geez. I mean, us, it's a... It's a co-production between Spain and the United States. Uh, oh, and Puerto Rico, which is United States technically. Oh, they have good baseball players. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it didn't make much. <laughs> it didn't make many waves when it came out uh, in '82. Uh, since it's, it's kind of garnered a cult following, plot it seems simple. And it is, but it's also not. Basically, the film starts out with a rather, uh, I would say, memorable opening with a, um, uh, it's a 10-year-old kid named Timmy, which, by the way, the most generic kid name ever in a movie. But uh, Timmy is doing kind of a penthouse puzzle type thing, where it's, it's, a, it's a nude woman, a jigsaw puzzle, and he's assembling, he's just finished his last piece. When his mom comes in, she's shocked, scolds him, he leaves the room after the scolding, grabs a massive axe, and kills her uh, for, for reasons we will later uh, sort of uncover. And then the movie kind of skips forward. Um, I believe it skips forward. Um, 40 years. 40 years. 40, yeah, 40 years. So you see that, it skips for, uh, 40 years, and there's uh, a deranged man, uh, sorry, a deranged character, I should say, walking around uh, with a chainsaw killing unsuspecting people and it's up to us the viewer to kind of figure out who might be the culprit and i guess that's the best way to sum it up um it's definitely yeah so the way that you just described it better or worse than valentine (laughs) i'm just gonna ask well i mean pretty much equal but the people you know in this one are less good looking uh not People I'd want to hang out with if I was in like a VIP bar. So <laughs> I'm going to have to downgrade this a little bit. Um, bottle service with these people wouldn't happen. Put it this way. But very good. Nonetheless. My history of this movie, well, when I first saw it, um, it was actually a long time ago. I mean, Mitch, you can insert any old man joke you want here. I'm sure there's plenty. But when I was in I've high stopped, school. I've stopped doing those because I'm 30 now. So I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, on, your, well, I'm on your guys' side now. Yeah, once you reach that tier, it kind of takes a lot of those jokes out of the Yeah, well, speaking but... of which, fuck these fucking millennials, am I right? Like, they're just walking <laughs> around with their scooters yeah. and their rap music. Doing the TikTok. Yeah, yeah doing their TikToking. Yeah. <laughs> TikToking, so hip-hopping hippies. All these challenges. Um, when I was young, there was no challenges. Um, <laughs> any- <laughs> so w- when I was uh, in high school, I, I think I want to say grade 11. So that's probably like 2000. Um, me and my buddy went to this party. Many high school parties had fizzled out, probably cops or whatever. We went back to his place. And we didn't have any extra booze. So we didn't really think it through. So he's like, man, I just realized something. My, my dad, dad has some cocaine upstairs. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that was grade 12. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's like, my parents make wine. We don't need to buy booze. So we, we opened up like the utility room and there was like like a big 
winemaking kit with bottles that were beside it. We presume they were completely like, you know, finished. Um, we started pounding this wine and I never even had wine before. This is like my first exposure to it. It tasted kind of like wine. And I say that present tense, like <laughs> this Jeff thinks it tasted kind of like wine. So we woke up with uh, probably my worst hangover I've ever had, likely because it wasn't a finished product. Um, and <laughs> so my head was pounding so badly, like the silence. Like, have you guys ever had a hangover where the silence is worse than the background noise? Like, it, it's, yeah. Okay. It's well, that's where Sundays. we're at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where we're at. So I went to his um, movie collection. He had a VHS called Pieces. I was intrigued by the cover art. It was a guy with a chainsaw. I'm like, this will help the hangover. So we put it in, and he kind of fell asleep while we were watching it, but I stayed up through the whole thing. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Um, but this was also at a time when VHQ and Mitch, we've talked about this before, when they were offering the seven for seven movies on Sunday, right? It's like it's seven bucks for seven yeah. movies. So this is when I was renting seven. Usually, like I would conquer a franchise through this deal, like whether it's Friday or um, Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. I thought this is the most economical way to kill a horror franchise. So I was well versed. Although not an expert in slasher movies, because I thought this was the best way to take advantage of this deal. So I, I was in a position to kind of compare pieces with these big IPs that I was watching uh, en masse. And it provided kind of a, a compare and contrast that I don't think many people who watch pieces would normally have. So I think that's when I kind of was like, wow, there's something I don't want to say special here, but there's something very different here in terms of um, how it takes on the slasher framework. And yeah, I mean, the rest is kind of history. I watched it about three years ago for rewatch and then again for this episode. But uh, can I tell you why I picked it though? It was because you last episode. Didn't really give us a chance to decide if we could yeah. tell you. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was rhetorical. <laughs> A couple episodes ago, maybe one, Mitch, you were talking about uh, in this. I, I think it was the Sallow episode. You're talking about uh, the Halloween 2018 remake. Yeah. And you were talking about, oh, you keep trying to rewatch this thing and it keeps getting worse every time you watch it. Yeah. Which, same with Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And, and by my math, uh, if you watch Halloween a couple more times, you'll land where I'm actually at with that movie. But um, the. I think the problem with like I I don't like Halloween 2018. I, I think it sucks, but the problem I have with the Halloween 2018 isn't the movie itself. I think uh, although it could have done a lot of different things better, the problem I have with that movie is that it subscribes to the framework that worked in 1978 and tries to kind of transplant it to 2018. And I think on that level, like me and you, are kind of realizing it failed. Like it doesn't work now. That. We need more I, from. I just rewatched that actually, and I, I was like, I was way too hard on this movie, uh, the ha Halloween. And I, sorry, I know we're not talking about Halloween, but the, I just you gave it. Walter Mitty five out of five stars. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, Halloween. I think I was I was expecting it to be this like something that it was it was going to go above and beyond. And then I, I, I watched it. I'm like, that was just a really good fucking movie. It was it, like it gave me everything that I wanted. But I guess it didn't give me and more. But overall, it was still really good. Just a well, side note. Get, 
we'll have to get more in the sequels, which I'm still excited yeah. about. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm bummed. I haven't seen Halloween Kills yet, and I, I, know. I can't, I can't wait. But yeah, I, I'm following both of you here. Let's continue. <laughs> Sorry. Jeff, okay. Continue. Oh, it's okay. Well, we'll get back to your super incorrect opinion later. But um, okay. the uh, I guess the best comparison I would give if we're gonna use a music one because me and Johnny run a music podcast would be like. If a, a band reimagined, like, never mind the bollocks by the Sex Pistols, but didn't really take it anywhere new, like, that was, like, a kind of a cool, groundbreaking punk album, then do we really need a reimagining? I mean, it's a pretty tight framework that doesn't work now. Like, like we know punk could be better, it could be different. So, with Halloween, I think that was my hang-up. Like, this mm. no longer works. Like, we expect more. We've seen all these different kind of horror movies that work better. That structure doesn't work. And that movie probably its heart was in the right place. I think cause it was really faithful. Uh, but that's why I don't like it. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of beating a dead horse that we know should stay dead. So I picked it because I see that you're kind of, when you, the way you're describing Halloween 2018, you're moving toward the right place as a horror fan, in my opinion, like this should not, there's no reason for this to be, um, the traditional slasher should not be made. Pieces, for all its faults, which we'll get to, kind of almost saw like the the restrictions of uh, the slasher, like uh, like what it's trying to do, and it <laughs> pieces thinks it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it's genuine. <laughs> That's the best fucking example I've ever. Pieces <laughs> thinks it's a movie. <laughs> it thinks it's something way bigger than it's not. It's like it's like you know, like it's these guys who clearly love the slasher genre. Like they, this is not like a wink, wink, clever, clever thing where they, it's it, there's nods to it, but they're trying to bring in these new things. It's like they, it's the fundamentals of slashers are there in 1982. But it's like they kind of went into the future and pulled in like 1990s Ashley Judd thrillers. Yes. And pulled it in. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that, the Ashley Judd thriller comparison there, that correlation, it has to be where it, uh, you take the slasher, the, the, the formula, and then you just yeah. make it make no fucking sense. And yeah. that's okay, because that's what we're fucking with here. It's like an Ashley Judd thriller. Great comparison. Sorry, continue. I, I, I could kill you in Times Square and nobody would bat an eye. Like it's uh <laughs> Was that double um, jeopardy? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hard double jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. so well, I mean, uh, um, uh, me too. Yeah, solid <laughs> flick. But um I, I guess that's like uh, to sum it up, like this is a movie that like when a lot of other movies are trying to rip off Halloween and uh, uh, to a lesser extent, Friday the Thirteenth. This movie kind of took like the, the 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 roots of it and like built it into something that's never like it's it's rare that movies like these kind of movies try to bring in a lot of other traditional movie aspects in terms of like who done it and like we're gonna give like a ten minute dialogue scene of people who might not get killed like they're actually furthering the quote unquote plot. And it's a confusion. It's, it's like a crisis of identity that it's kind of um, filtered into a really charming way. But anyways, that's uh, the reason I picked is because I heard you talk about the Halloween. You try to figure out why it didn't really work for you, why it's working even less for you going forward. 
And I'm like, fucking pieces. I mean, <laughs> this is, this <laughs> yeah. is what if all. If Halloween took some parts of what Peace was trying to do, it might have been really cool. But um, there's, no, there's got to be a director's cut out there somewhere of this yeah. to, to explain the rest of the movie. <laughs> some parts that just died off. I heard there I, is Johnny. There are the other parts are in Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to get out of the way an important thing as like the the you know only actual host of the terror table here right now is um. I see, like you, you mentioned today, Jeff, that I see pretty much fucking everything. And I'm just like, I'm a nerd. That's all I do is watch movies. Movies are my thing. They're my passion. I've never seen pieces and I've never seen man bites dog. And I was so happy to be coming into this episode with two fresh, like completely fresh movies for me that I've obviously heard people talk about, uh, but they were on my list of shame. Like there were things that I just haven't seen yet or haven't gotten around to. And, uh, for me, I need, I like, I really needed this at this point in my life. I needed both of these movies because they are both very different. There's <laughs> we're, we'll, we'll talk about that, but pieces, this is a movie that should have been in my life so much long, so such a long time ago. Like this totally. is such a Mitch movie, like foundational type slasher movie. Yeah, I uh, just long story short, I fucking love this movie. But I want to hear what um, my kung fu professor thinks. Uh, Johnny, what what are your thoughts on pieces? <laughs> this movie was so all over the place, and I would like just that when I thought I had my grip on it, it would just what the what the fuck's going on right now? And just like random moments are all over the place, but they're trying to tie it into like Jeff says, like a bigger moment, a bigger plot, which I always found so funny, but. It, it made it so enjoyable because of it. Because you're always like, well, who the fuck is this person? Why are they so interested in the school? Oh, never mind. They're dead. You're just like, why, yeah. why was this relevant? You have to feel like they were <laughs> writing this movie as they were going. Yeah, <laughs> that, That's what it feels like. And I love those kinds of movies. Yeah. I love those like where it just feels super DUI. And uh, I just I can't believe that there was at one point like you. I guess you guys were probably Jeff. Were you alive in 82? Just missed it. 83. <laughs> Yeah, same. Wow. Okay, so like that—that's the thing, though, is that like these movies do not get made anymore. Like mm -hmm. pieces, movies like this don't get made anymore, and it is such a fucking absurd movie. But first and foremost, this movie checks off the only rule in the prepubescent horror handbook, which is the three Bs: the whole, <laughs> yeah. the holy trinity, baby. This is the babes, boobs, and blood. And this movie has all of those things to spare. My, my favorite is that they actually like they they're essentially teeing up a scene. Um, I think I have the quote here. Uh, the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and getting laid on a waterbed. And you're like, I can't wait for that waterbed scene. You yes. know what's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that thing does fucking happen. Like, I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. That scene's hilarious. But one of my favorite things about it is that like. It's those like they actually did a pretty good job in certain elements of this movie. Believe me, Jeff, by the end of this conversation, we're going to be coming back to your letterbox review. So uh, believe that that's going to be coming up today. Like in the in that swimming pool scene, 
when he's stabbing her. Like, I think they do a really good job of, like, you know, cutting away at the right parts. Where it no, actually you, you like, literally see the blade, like, going beside her head at one point. That's that's <laughs> the thing is, like, it looks good up until he's about to put it through the back of her head, through yeah. her mouth. And you yeah. watch the cardboard crumble. <laughs> and it, like, just, it's like a flash. Like, rewinding, like, what just happened there? They didn't leave that in, did they? Yep. Yeah, they did. Every everything about it is just fucking insane. But I also, I feel like the movie had to have been a little bit ahead of its time, because judging by the taglines alone, so the the cover of the movie is like a a stitched together woman and a chainsaw, and it says pieces, and the tagline is it's exactly what it looks like. I love that. That's <laughs> that's best tagline I've ever seen. Yeah, that's one of the best fucking taglines ever. And even like the, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. And it's just like, man, this movie is all sleaze. It's no class. And that's why I love it. I totally enjoyed the hell out of this movie. And I'm so happy it's on Tubi because everybody can see it for free. You know, I will honestly admit that even like, uh, even though I saw where the ending was going, it still had me guessing. I'm like, ah, maybe, ah. You know, like, and I was like, even though I'm pretty sure I knew, I was still happy that it was still throwing some curves. Even, yeah. I couldn't even follow the story. So I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you that I have no fucking idea what happened. I've watched it twice and I was trying to be like, there's gotta be some form of a thread here. And I feel like there, there probably is. And it just flew over my head, but I couldn't, I, I can't find what the purpose of this movie is in any way. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. <laughs> That's what makes me love it. But Jeff, did you have a chance to look at your letterbox review? You knew what you're getting into. <laughs> I know what I said. Yeah, I stand by it. <laughs> so I want to bring this up here that as much as I love this movie, Jeff's review of this on letterbox is five stars for pieces other than black Christmas. This is easily yeah. head over head and shoulders above every other slasher ever made. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you, you believe uh, you believe that. So do you believe Pieces uh, is better than Halloween? The original? Yeah, just based Wrong. on the opening. I Come mean, on. The, yeah. I mean the, the opening in Halloween is uh I mean a POV view of killing his sister. Cool. But not quite as good. <laughs> but as imagine a, a but, imagine yeah, if Michael imagine was, <laughs> if if he was driven crazy by porno. <laughs> yeah. and, and puzzles. <laughs> okay. Oh, if you could be made, I'll explain very quickly why I have this uh, perhaps ridiculous stance. I will probably have to <laughs> pull back and just acknowledge Halloween is better than this movie, but not many other slashers I would put above it. What about now, my bloody Valentine? My bloody Wait, Valentine. Which one? The original. That's another one. That's another yes, one. But it's only two. What about, what about Scream? If, if you keep talking, they'll have to what keep about the proven wrong. Stop talking. What about Candyman? A Nightmare on Elm well, Street, Scream. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, Scream's not a slasher. Scream is absolutely a slasher. It's a slasher. It's literally running around with a butcher knife. Yeah, Scream is like commenting on all slashers. <laughs> Sorry, continue. It's, uh, I may have to revise this rating as well as a couple others tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll keep the rating, but I may change the write up. But. Uh, yeah. Here, here's, I guess, why I wrote that is I think um, it's one of the only slasher movies that I've seen that really takes a look at well, what the move, what the genre is trying to do, and kind of 
is fully okay with like taking us through a complete fucking shit show of a narrative. Um, like even like this, like Mitch, you were talking about how you have had a couple moments where like I don't know what's even happening. It's because you're so conditioned to like how slashes work that stories exactly well yeah but but yes i'm I'm not like shitting on you at all because i i get it but like there's scenes like there's a it cuts like you know um the 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 villain for example i won't give him away because i'm sure people need to know this but the cuts to the villain speaking to other uh characters and it's the kind of thing in normal slashers where you have some pathetic exposition and dialogue and it would cut to somebody and killed but in pieces it's like a 12 15 minute knives out type thing where it's like <laughs> wow i have to like pay attention to like this there's some shit going on where i have to really follow <laughs> like they have a real dedication to this dialogue that's connected to a whodunit thing and again it goes back to what i said at the beginning like is it a clever take on the slasher thing of like we're taking this <laughs> very strict thing and blowing it up or is it like are they that charmingly delusional that they think this uh 10 minute scene is like we want to know give us more dense dialogue <laughs> Bring us i mean I, I just i i think it's it's so unique in that way i mean um i was just gonna say it seems almost like it's ahead of its time parroting parodying that like that time of horror like it's it, yeah. it, I don't, it looks like it feels like they're looking ahead and making fun of what it is now but i don't think that's it's just what the way it feels that's not what's actually going on yeah what i will give you Jeff, part. what i will give, give, one, you, give you one thing okay what i will give you though is that i would definitely say that this movie lives right next to the most enjoyable silly slashers ever and i think that it lives next to like sleepaway camp and silent night deadly night and I would honestly be inclined to say that pieces might be the best out of those two that I'm those three that I mentioned. Like it is a completing blast. And this is a party slasher movie. It is a movie that you do not need to know the plot to enjoy the hell out of it. And yeah. I think that there's so much to say about that. The kills are fucking crazy. The the fact that the killer is using a chainsaw of all the weapons he can be using, and he's always yeah. sneaking up on someone. With that fucking chainsaw. Like, it's it's hilarious. Not the most practical choice. I love um, that he's always sneaking but, around, though. It's like, but why is this a five-minute scene of you sneaking up into the pool? Yeah. It's, it's a very small deck. Why are you taking so long to get there? Not only that, how, how like, the fact that they're just, like, not hearing this... He <laughs> <laughs> kept was going a, around this, with a chainsaw. When he goes, this he was cuts a, that woman in half. He cuts that woman in fucking half and he's like yeah. within five feet of her and he has no, like, she doesn't hear him until he's, his saw is inside her gut. <laughs> oh, what the hell I is love, that? That's what I came here for. Yeah, I love If this was a Metal Gear Solid game uh, and you read it with the chainsaw like he does, you would have had the alarm Wait. buzzing every, yeah. If this was a yeah, Metal Gear had... Solid game, we would have fallen asleep four hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> To put it this way, you have to quick save a lot if you're using a uh, chainsaw in these situations. But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the Valentine thing where uh, you, you compare it to you compare it to sleep. No, well, not the good looking, which is their looks are unassailable. But uh, you mentioned like we talked about the uh, Valentine. Like it's kind of like uh, okay, we'll pull the mask up. Oh, it's uh, the pizza guy. You know, like there's no nothing leading there. Yeah. This one, like you, Sleepaway Camp is a victim of that. Like it's. 
there's nothing. It's just some weird like, oh, it's a twist ending because you didn't expect it, you, or you could not have predicted it. But this one spends so much fucking time. Big look. This is a like a fully fledged thriller movie, but with chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not we're not gonna give any clues, but you think there should be clues. And I don't know. I I, I think it's just kind of um it trying to make sense of where slashes could go and sadly haven't really went. But um I think I see it as as an example of like where like directors to see this ex- particular movie. Like, all right, look, we can actually go beyond just a guy, you know, walking with an axe and killing teenagers who have sex. I think, uh, I think there's a lot to build on here, and I'm, I guess, I'm a little sad that hasn't happened yet. So I might downgrade to a three star tonight. <laughs> no, no, it still deserves the five. It deserves yeah. all five stars. But to say that it's the <laughs> runner up to Black Christmas is being hilarious to me as someone who it's makes fun the of the 2019 as, version. Yeah. 2018 or whatever. As someone who makes fun of my opinions on movies all the time where I'm like, really, this is the best slasher next to Black Christmas. Like, <laughs> I, I, I will admit though, like this movie is awesome. Like it's so much fun. And I think that this is like, if you come to the terror table and you haven't seen pieces yet, this is definitely a movie that you would enjoy. If you listen to our conversations and get to the end, you will like pieces because it's just a it's ridiculous, all- nonsensical movie. It's also a boozy movie for sure. I think totally. I, I well, I put it. That's at the top of the list. He just had surgery last week, and uh, he was like, "Give me a list of movies to watch in pieces." I put pieces twice. Nice. <laughs> I was like, nice. You need to watch these, and then I put Possessor because he still hasn't watched Possessor. Like a fucking idiot. But uh, no, Boozy's going to love pieces, and it's available on Tubi. Well, then he for sure will watch it. So just for my own clarity, because you guys have kind of uh, leapfrog between praising it and also like laughing at it can you quantify how you guys have seen this like uh johnny like if you were provided like let's say scale is one braveheart and five walter Mitty, where do you uh <laughs> where do you arrive where do you arrive with this one i think it's it's a lot of fun i'd say but i'm not going to get too high in the praise i'm going to say it's a three and a half ton of fun out of ten? Oh, out of ten? Oh, i'm out of five sorry that's out of five okay that's fine that's fine yeah like I'm, I had like I had a blast watching it. It almost got annoying at times because I was like, "All right, let's go." Um, as in, like it was like it was trying to develop too much story out of something yeah. that wasn't there. But then, but then it just went back to the killing, and that it was. And you're like, "All right, get in that elevator, let's go." Yeah, and the seventies, the seventies jazz porn music every time someone's around a pool or oh, someone's dancing. That's my favorite part because right at the beginning, I had to take note of this. It's just like it's going through the credits, and then in blood, it's written "music by Cam." <laughs> <laughs> just Cam. I will, I will, I will say it's it's one of the worst jump scares I've ever seen. In this movie, where there's one of the uh, female leads walking on a campus or something, and a hand reaches her shoulder and she turns around with like a big like jump scare music score thing as the fucking dork with curly hair do you guys remember that <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. the cat and the camera was far enough back that it wasn't even like a momentary startling <laughs> just like yeah before we oh. wrap before we wrap this one up i just want to absolutely talk about how like some of the scenes like between characters feel like they have to have been so awkward and so uncomfortable to shoot 
And that's what makes the movie so much fun to watch mm. is also like a combination <laughs> between that and the like nonsensical choreography, the amount of times where people push people out of the way for it's like the room. It's <laughs> honestly just like out of it's a like, why, what, what, like just the way that they move. It's one of those movies that it's just fun to watch yeah. because of how sloppy and sleazy it is. And it knows <laughs> that and it embraces it. And that's why I love it so much. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Man, hang back. You're comparing this to a black uh, Christmas contemporary. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it's a modern classic. That's the, <laughs> that's the most recent. Tarot I game. didn't see that on Criterion. Uh, I'm yeah. sure it'll be showing up. One of these movies was on Criterion. So uh, that's pretty fucking crazy. The last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to let you close this up, Jeff. Uh, but the dubbing. I feel like you need to watch the dub version of this mm-hmm. movie. Because it's, it gives you an extra layer of entertainment because like, like of just craziness. Yeah. You're like, well, everybody's so reserved while they're talking. Like they're, they're not like emoting really loudly or big in any way, but all the voices are so animated and that's what makes it so much fun to watch is because everyone's like their lips are barely moving, but they're like, what do you mean? She's going to be prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got, she's all that on the mind. <laughs> There's a couple of moments where the, the, the main antagonist says something truly impactful, uh, and but through dubbing. So I'm, I was watching along last night, and he said the, one of those quotes, and I'm kind of hanging on to what he was saying. And then the other character's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, well, there's a bit of a disconnect here. But uh, I also, I, in closing, I will say the uh, the dubbing provides... Moments of hilarity during those 10 minutes exposition scenes that are needed, but also aren't. And uh, you get bored, but then also you're like, oh my God, he says something crazy and they're not getting it, but his lips are not consistent at all. But um, yeah, if you have the choice, definitely pick dubbing. Uh, overall, um, I may have to revise my comments. Litterbox, <laughs> but, uh, rating will might stay the same, but uh, glad you I gave it. I up. gave it a four, I gave it a four out of five, and I only see it going up from here. <laughs> like, this is honestly, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, this is one of the best things you've given to me. I've heard so many people talk about pieces, obviously, but for some reason, I thought that it was something that it wasn't. Like, I just I thought it was maybe like a Giallo movie of some sorts and like, you know, maybe a more serious take on a slasher that I just assumed probably wouldn't work as well watching it as a 30 year old man for the first time. But boy, <laughs> was I pleasantly surprised when it was just a super bonkers fucking crazy movie. Yeah, everything's different when you turn 30, eh? <laughs> uh, everything changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I, I was actually shocked you hadn't seen it. I was like, well, Mitch is going to see this. But Johnny will have not seen this. No, um, but no I'm glad it could have uh, given you something you haven't seen before. And Boozy, if you're listening, which you never... I guess you might actually see this one. Uh, this will be a Boozy movie, I think. Absolutely. Boozy's going to love pieces. Guarantee it. Um, awesome. You guys ready to get on to the next one? Johnny's That's pick? Yep. Yeah. What is it you call it when he goes into one of his little places? Oh, zoned out. You do that now and then. What's the matter? I lost a picture of it. I like mysteries. You should go. Crack the case. You were Sean's partner. He finishes work. (laughs) 
And now on to Johnny Pander's pick, Man Bites Dog. Johnny, passing it off to you. What is Man Bites Dog, and why did you choose this film for the terror table? So, uh, reading directly from Wiki, um, Man Bites Dog is a 1992 Belgian black comedy crime mockumentary written and produced, written, produced, and directed by Remy Balvo, Andre Bonzel, and Benoit uh, Povelodou. Uh, yeah, that's the best I and can do with And this is why I got you guys to intro these, is because <laughs> I am tired of butchering people's names. <laughs> yeah. So the, the cool thing about this is those three names I just said are also the film's co-editor, cinematographer, and lead actor. Um, and so the film follows a crew of film uh, of filmmakers who follow a serial killer, recording his horrific crimes from a do- for a documentary they're producing. Uh, at first, dispassionate observers, they find themselves caught up in the increasingly chaotic and nihilistic violence. And yeah, like it's so it's a, a, a to kind of break down a little further. It's a black and white uh, docu- documentary, kind of mockumentary, following this um, the serial killer through Belgium, I guess. And it's, it, you know, you almost want to be like, oh, it's going to be this fun office type thing. Uh, but we're following, <laughs> you, you, we're following this, uh, this murderer. And you kind of get that at the beginning, but quickly it turns a pretty dark path. And um, the reason I picked it is because I remember when I first watched it and it was me and my friends were at Blockbuster and we we're trying to find like something to watch. And we went through all the, you know, everyone's looking at, oh, how about, you know, Terminator, whatever. We're just going through them all. Those are the best nights ever. Yeah. And so then we're like, we're getting pretty into the deep cuts and we're like, what about this weird random movie? Well, this sounds funny. Um, <laughs> someone, I don't know who picks up Man Bites Dog and it's this, oh, it's a documentary about a serial killer. Wouldn't that be crazy? And so we get home, you know, it's, we're high, it's in high school. We're watching this movie and you're like, ah, this is kind of darkly funny. And then suddenly it's really not. And I just, I can still remember just like, just like kind okay, of the tone I'm of gonna go home now like like it got real so <laughs> real sober real quick and it, like we thought oh this is this yeah this is gonna be kind of a fun like a fun night and it doesn't really create a fun night by the end of it it's <laughs> it's people, pretty fucking dark yeah people kill people for less these days um <laughs> but like my very first note that i wrote down and i wrote down like four notes for this movie so this is gonna be like every other time, I'm just going to wing it. But like I, I wrote down knew within five minutes that I was going to love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and holy fuck, does it change the, 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 the comedy gets sucked out. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And then it just becomes more and more disturbing. And yeah, you were, you had a real experience with this movie that I wish I would have had that. Cause yeah, the man, I can't imagine what normie is watching this movie. <laughs> yeah you know, like people who aren't fucking conditioned to this type of shit yeah it's it starts out like it keeps the tone of like almost you know the you know like think of the office or whatever it kind of plays on that at the very beginning gives you a little bit of, uh, of that and just when that would be annoying and just when you're like okay i'm done with this idea the movie kind of flips and it keep and i don't want to it's not like a drastic change but it's you see it's not doing that anymore and it's very very like 
we're not laughing anymore, but we're still going through following a serial killer and his psychotic tendencies. And uh, you kind of just keep on the path with him and it gets fairly disgusting and uh, you just ride it out. It's a good exercise on thinking that a joke is funny and then progressively finding out why it isn't funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this movie is just in general. But yeah, I, I thought this movie was like when we first started talking about starting the terror table, Diego, our old host, this mm-hmm. was one of his first movies that he wanted to discuss. Oh, really? And I was like, dude, let's, let's give it some time. Let's, yeah. let's build up, let's build up to it. Cause Let I had it heard, I had heard a lot about man bites dog, but just because of how horny Diego was over it, <laughs> it made me less inclined to want to watch it because like, I love that about him is that he's so mm-hmm. fucking crazy and he likes these, but I know that he likes a different kind of crazy than what mm-hmm. I like. But the thing is, this is one of those movies that could be comparable to so many other movies that I really enjoy. Like, uh, uh, Henry portrait of a serial killer, which is coming mm-hmm. up, come up recently, uh, which does predate this movie. But then there's angst from Germany, which is just a crazy serial killer movie. Uh, the house that Jack built most recently yeah. is a movie that I just fucking loved. Like I still, got, I still have only seen it once. I need to watch it again. Uh, but this movie really reminded me of that. And it seems to be kind of the seeds that this is the seed that planted those types of ideas. Yeah. So it is really cool watching something from 1992 that is so clearly just DUI handheld. Everybody is just put pulling the resources together to make a strange movie yeah. with a vision. This doesn't happen anymore. Like yeah. You don't see these kinds of swings. Well, it doesn't and succeed anywhere. It might be happening, but it's not getting any airtime at all. Exactly. Except for there is one if you... Like, I know this is one of those movies that's hard to say that you enjoy. Yeah. It's just, this it's is like Saving Private Ryan. I loved it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Schindler's <laughs> List. What a blast. <laughs> no, but like, this is like, it's very similar to that. Like where I would say to check out the Golden Glove if you haven't seen that mm-hmm. yet. But no, yeah, that's on Shudder as well. But it's a recent serial killer movie. But fuck, it's disgusting. But so is this movie, and we're here to talk about this one. So I'm going to get back on track. Yeah. But Jeff, yeah, that, been, Jeff's been a little quiet. Let's go tap has. into that that frame over there. Uh, this was a tricky one. I guess it um, gave me a little bit of a portal into Johnny's soul. Um, <laughs> didn't, don't know if I liked what I saw. Um, <laughs> I, I guess where it differentiates for me in terms of like Henry and that sort of thing was it seems like a, a joke that went a little too far. This one did not work for me at all, man. <laughs> really? Oh. I no. I think no, that I that's the point. I think the joke going too far. That's what I took from it in like yeah. a good way. Like I see, it, but the thing is, it's not by the end of the the ending credits of this movie. It's not enjoyable. No, like this, and also like I'm good, not gonna lie and say that I did have to pause it a couple times because I was like, it just got too dark, yeah. and it's like one of those things where it's evoking the worst sides of humanity. Yeah, and sorry, but, I know I cut you off here, Jeff, but like I, I think I know, I think I know what you're feeling, mm-hmm. and I think I understand why it just doesn't work for you in that yeah. sense. But I, th- I think it's like sledgehammer satire. I think it's like a little too like really on the nose. Um, and I guess the main thing that I, 
correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm just going to quickly correct you and tell you that the movie that you picked <laughs> has a tagline that says, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> I just want to say that that's a little bit of a sledgehammer, but let's continue. Uh, uh, okay. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure this is apples to apples, but um, th- with this one, I, I feel like the over, like the statement that they're really trying to like punch home is this is what, movies like like overly violent and overly like sensory movies this is what they've done to you like like uh, it's kind of like exploration of that um it's it's uh, a french navigation of like how brutal western movies and stuff like not all western but in most cases have the effect on the viewer is like well all right like i mean you think you're desensitized like this is how this is actually the effect it has on you, and it takes us through these like this murder, GTA four star rampage or whatever he's on. Actually, this is a five star rampage, but I'm not sure you with the message. And again, I might be wrong with the message, but I, I do think it's a statement on uh, what movies uh, have turned us into the last ten years, or whatever before, and it's kind of make us look at ourselves in the mirror and being like, this is what you are this is what you've been paying for it just we're taking another another extra couple steps and yeah it sucks it's ugly but this is what you're paying for i just don't know if i agree with the message i don't think i um agree with movies turning into this ugly thing i don't think movies were ugly before this i don't i think violent movies before didn't carry such a heavy-handed message that this movie seems to connect to I, I, I would say like I'm I see where you're coming from, but I think it's not quite that. I think what it's doing is it's saying you like it's it's saying like, hey, you're all attracted to violence, so check out a movie about a serial killer, and that's what these filmmakers in the movie are setting out to do. It's like, oh, we're gonna follow a serial killer. But really it's like the guy it's about the guy who's like just trying to feel like what his everyday life is important even though he's a fucking serial killer he's trying to do that to feel important a camera crew is falling around so you're just trying to feel valued it's just like the lengths people go to stand out and have a personality and have a in individuality is what i kind of got from it yeah but i mean it was done with like natural born killers and this kind of format was also done with like like Mitch, your horror fiend, you might know this one, like August Underground Mortem. Yeah. Like follows a serial killer with POV type stuff and doing horrific shit as kind of a statement on like, hey, you want this? Like, I mean, this is what we're going to give you. I don't, I don't know. Like it's the viciousness didn't really give me a message that I think like if, if you give me a movie this rank, you have to give me a message that is pretty not like a, a blood force hit to the head, but it's got to be something there I could connect to. And I, when I found the message, it was trying to say, yeah, it didn't work for me. Um, That's fair. Well, yeah. And totally. Yeah. But also like, so what I took from it is personally, I, this has been one of those movies that over the years, I've heard so many people just champion or either despise. Like I always mm-hmm. hear a polarizing discussion about this movie. This is always one that comes up where people either despise it or they love it. And what I think is to have that kind of discussion on it too. Totally agree. And that's why I jumped at the chance of like, when you recommended this, I was like, first of all, didn't expect that from Johnny, Uh, (laughs) but the guy who's like freaky, watch freaky. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I like, that's the thing is while I don't necessarily think that this movie is like 
the avant-garde masterpiece that no. a lot of people think it is. No, I don't agree I think that, yeah. that this movie, the reason why it's successful is in its execution, which does predate movies like uh, Natural Born Killers and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I think, like, obviously this movie does have a little bit of originality going towards it. Like, it, it there's, there's a good idea here. But whether it's completely fleshed out to the way that to the to the level where we could stomach it, yeah, that's another question. But mm-hmm. that's also part of the genius of the movie mm-hmm. is that this movie, the reason why I think that it's successful is because it takes this crazy idea and it's adapting around a small, minor, like minuscule budget. Like, you know, that this is like an incredibly small budget movie. And that's what I like about it. I think the most is that I see them, all of the limitations that they are faced with in this movie, they make the movie better and it gets more creative because of their limitations. Hence the crew being the main characters of this movie. <laughs> like that, yeah. And also like, there's some really dark shit even behind the scenes of that, that I read into afterwards. Um, but that alone, and also how they had to use completely different film stocks at all different corners because they didn't have any money to make this movie. And I think that that's kind of all of those things made it more successful because mm. you get a more grainier, disgusting look at this lifestyle. I don't think it's entirely successful in the way that a lot of people do because yeah. I have a tough time buying when the whole crew gets so involved. So with behind everything. it. That's that's yeah. my biggest question is is why do they get so behind it? I get with well, the first one, I get at, at like the beginning, grab his legs and help me lift the body or whatever. You're like <laughs> Jeff, is it just me or are you looking sexier than usual? I know it's just you. Tonight <laughs> I've 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 added some sexiness tonight. <laughs> Okay, so after a, a brief intermission and us regaining ourselves, I apologize. We're back, and um, this isn't my show, so I don't know why I'm doing it like it is. But anyway, uh, but, keep apologizing. Yeah, why though? Like, so this is my question though. Why did the um, why did the film crew get so on board? And that's the part that disconnects me from it a little bit, or the part I haven't understood yet. So I'd like to know, like, if you guys had a thought, because like, at the end, they're really into it. They Like, at first, they sympathize, like, oh, I just have to help out because we're kind of in love with the idea of your serial killer and whatever. But, like, they get pretty into following him and almost even when they don't want to. So why? I, I, I mean, I think, I mean, the film crew, like, they suffocated the boy. So... Their inclusion was like pretty evasive, but in my opinion, I mean, it's just, it it goes back to like what the movie's like trying to say is like you, the viewer are like actually part of this experience and you're part of the violence that, you know, the whole thing's uh, promoting and designed. And this is where I think it gets kind of ham fisted. You're right, Johnny. There's no explanation as to why the camera crew is now involved other than messages of the movie which is presumably if you're viewing this you're an active participant like you have agency so um i, I, I would i want to like say it's, it's like romanticized or something like it's it gets they they romanticize the idea of like he's a serial killer we're following him around so we like oh he says help him out and we're like oh we're kind of like cool badasses are helping out but to the extent on where it goes i i think that's where it loses me 
not like I still I still think the the movie overall is like it executes the plan, but I think that and points points like that is where I kind of get lost with it, and I'm like, wait, you, those those don't necessarily the, resonate. I think the thing is is because you watch them become complicit to the whole thing when they mm. kill those Italian gangsters, yeah, which happens before the kid, yeah, and then that's that's the where like if you take that scene out of context where he actually just kind of made some, he made the guy kind of shoot the one person. Yeah. For revenge for your friend. Yeah. And then that's where they all become a part of it. And then that's where it like, I might be reading too far into this. And that's why I mean that, like, I honestly do not think that this movie was one of those things that just completely reinvented the wheel. No, but I do think that it is very successful in what it sets out to do because mm-hmm. of the limitations that it had. Yeah, and I think that all of those limitations at every corner it turns into a positive for the movie. Yeah. But in terms of that conversation, it is muddy. Yeah. It's it's pretty muddy. But I think that that's just kind of the whole situation is muddy. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you know that is kind of a cop out answer because when you're choosing to make a film or like take a stance on something you have to have an answer for what you're doing it's like having a documentary and not having an ending for it and that's exactly what this film is trying to do yeah well a quick question maybe i'm a moron but uh well i am but parts of this movie is our fantasy right like parts of this is like designed in his head like this can all be real right no it's all real 100 real it's all real those are his real parents too when you go into the house yeah but like he actually killed all those people yeah and they Uh, followed the whole thing and i think i knew um, you were gonna have that issue with it jeff you fucking little (laughs) asshole like like when he fills up the ravine it have to be fantasy but then you see the ravine and it's dry and there's bodies everywhere yeah the ending and like I, i guess this is where like i thought it was mostly real but i thought this possibility was fantasy but then i thought okay if it is real then this is why i prefer american psycho because mm-hmm. it explores the same kind of issues of like you know a suburban guy trying to like navigate like his own impulses in mm-hmm. murderous ways but i really like that say- comparison i think that comparison is an awesome like wait if anyone's like wondering what they're going to get out of this movie or what tone they're looking for i think american psycho is actually a great way to leap off from it i hate to give jeff any credit but i entirely agree (laughs) (laughs) that's actually so true is that Mm -hmm. like because like within the first five minutes you truly think that this is like a funny movie yeah and uh it's like darkly comical Mm -hmm. and it quickly becomes not that like quickly and then it fucking leaps from being not comical to just yeah. being a disgusting piece yeah. of art. Yeah. And I think American Psycho shows how like difficult of a line this is to kind of balance. I mean, uh, this is supposedly a, like a black comedy. I mean, you guys, there's a couple of moments at the beginning during his speeches and monologues that were funny, but overall, did you guys find this a black comedy? I mean, I, I think no. at some point, this, I think yeah, it's, I, it's I, quickly, I, it's quickly like I think it's like there's a, a mental illness that like I'm not going to start saying this is a movie about mental illness because it, it partially it is but like that's not the topic I'm going on but like you're kind of like not laughing anymore even when he's laughing you're like no this isn't funny and you're really going down this wormhole and I'm not on board 
but now we're we're like but we were kind of on board from the beginning so we're kind of watching it finish i think that's also why like just once again with the filmmakers like in the movie the filmmakers get on board with it because they're like we've been on board since the beginning and i feel like we're supposed to help this finish and i'm because helping also you be you become complicit at the minute that you start yeah. doing it and the thing is the first eight minutes of this movie is so funny yeah like, it's so funny you know, how he's how he's describing everything like where he says like i usually start the month off with a post man like, yeah i yeah, love yeah. that and like it's actually that's darkly comical and then the, i avoid young people they usually stink of poverty it's unpleasant yeah. but old folks they're loaded that's for sure yeah it's like okay hey, that's all within the first five minutes yeah and then it just like it, i think that the moment that it changes is after he describes how he gets rid of kids bodies or like yeah. different sized bodies and he's talking about kids and then within moments he's on a basketball court playing with two kids Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, the joke's gone now. Yeah. Because it's like, and that's honestly, I think, and it carries that way. Like, he may have a sick sense of humor, but if you're going along with it, that's your your own perception. That's not. See, but, but there that's I think what he's I think totally... is brilliant about the movie. But yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's where he's just like mentally not connecting the two as the same thing, even though he's playing with kids, but potentially kills kids. He does. He's like, no, but I'm just an everyday guy, and I'm important. And look at me. And like, I I think he doesn't have the connection between I'm playing with real kids and the kids I might kill. No, he's a complete sociopath, and that's mm. what's that's what's like so fascinating about the movie. And if there is one thing that's groundbreaking about it, is that this has to be. I I could be completely wrong, but this has to be the first like documentary style serial killer movie but the thing is that also happened be- like uh, like sorry false serial killer movie yeah but that has to have happened because of budget restraints mm-hmm. and i love that about it have you guys seen behind the mask of leslie vernon no nope okay so that's a i think it was 2007 but that's a it's a really good independent horror movie where i it's this same idea, but with a guy playing a slasher in the same world as Michael and Freddie and Jason. Okay. Yeah. And so, and Robert England's in the movie. Like there's so Kane Hodder's in it. There's so many, it's a very good independent horror movie. I really like it, but this is that, that was clearly just entirely inspired from man bites dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of really good things to take from it. And I think it tries to take on a pretty big message and gets very, very close to getting there. Like it, it it will take on bigger things like poverty and um, yeah, like trying, like I said before, trying to feel personal self-worth and, you know, trying to feel that maybe like even this guy who's an every, very everyday guy, like he loves poetry and pigeons and but yet he's he's doing serial he's a serial killer like just to kind of pay the bills he's very a he's a blue collar serial killer like it's it's more about <laughs> like as much as you want it to be about like the office of following uh, this everyday serial killer it's it starts to expand this this wider net and talk about like the struggles that everybody's going through and like like oh i just want to feel important and what do i have to do and Oh, this like you know, maybe I'd be important if I was you know doing something that was pretty edgy, like fucking killing people. And this guy obviously goes to a s- extreme length. And I don't know. I find it really interesting. Once, once I got past the humor, you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of fun. And the shock value, 
then you kind of start to dissect it and you see this really sad fucked up guy that they're still kind of following and there's there's a lot of darkness there but there's a lot of like holy shit he just wants someone to talk to i'm just gonna digress a little bit from johnny i i think the only thing i i don't agree with like your stance on this is like when the camera people get involved i think that's kind of a definitive signal that they're trying to say that by us watching this sort of thing then we're like involved in like the violence like we're kind of a part of it and um all i was saying is like if we're accomplices well not accomplices like like you're actually like once you are brought in i i think it's a pretty definitive statement that like you are like as much a part of this as the participants and the message seems clear to me that that <laughs> no but like i think th- i think what it is is like you 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 tuned in for it to be a fun oh we're just watching this serial killer be in a mockumentary isn't that funny oh what no why that's not funny that's not funny at all you're watching a guy kill kids and families and whatever and old ladies well, for their money no well okay let me see this before great, we close though. up Oh, the, the, Johnny, the old lady kill was awesome. Let's talk Johnny, about that for a quick second. That the 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 guy oh, doesn't even use a bullet. He doesn't even use a bullet. Sorry, he, he go, just Jeff. scares Jeff. the shit out of her. Yeah, until and she has a heart, heart attack. attack. Oh, it's, it's easier on the neighbors. That, yeah. yeah, and and he's he's happy to save him a bullet. Um, <laughs> Charlie, like, what's what's this movie trying to tell us? I mean, like, I, I don't want to beat this kind of thing, but like, if it's this extreme with what it's showing us, there must be something it's trying to like portray or convey what the fuck is this movie trying to tell us i got two things <laughs> two things the first okay. thing is like what you said the accomplice of watching and thinking it's a fun everyday movie that we're like hey we can see serial killers just like the filmmakers were trying to do you could see them in the act whatever this is crazy behind the scenes no that's disgusting that's that's lesson number one is like you know maybe we shouldn't be trying to be observers peeking behind the curtain, just like true crime brings us in. No, it's it's fucking gross. What's behind there? I I, I look into a lot of true crime myself. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting, but it's also gruesome. So that's number one. The second thing is just like uh, it, the movie is trying to. It, it when we look at him as a as a killer, it's not about him being a killer. It's about him trying to be recognized and trying to be an individual, even though he's ordinary like everybody else. Uh, not buying it. That movie from sucks. the Criterion Collection. Right <laughs> not buying it. That movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think the counselor at the end of this movie looks like Gene Wilder, specifically young. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's the real message there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on, no, I honestly, I, I'm on Johnny's side for this, but with a little bit of a caveat. Like, I, I think Johnny's the same way as well, though, is that you know that it's rough around the edges. Yeah. And that's what makes it good. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it like kind of something different and something that's going to influence people going forward. And that's exactly what this movie has done. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many people talk about this movie being a foundational, like, inspirational movie for their filmmaking. And when it comes to extreme cinema and all that kind of like anything that pushes the boundaries, this movie is going to come up in that conversation. And I'm so happy that I've seen it now because of Johnny and like Diego tried getting me to watch this for years. And it took Johnny (laughs) Pander one week (laughs) to make me do it. 
he's like, hey, let's do Man Bites Dog. I was like, sure, I'll watch it tomorrow. Diego's like, fucking, I've known him half my life, and he's been like, watch Man Bites Dog, watch Man Bites Dog. I'm like, yeah, but Diego's got some strange picks. I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, like, he's got some and, skeletons hiding somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Diego's like, I can relate to this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe I'll <laughs> give it some. It's a comedy from start to finish for him. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the first family I've murdered. I, mean, the first, I do. I don't. First child I, I've killed. I honestly do think, though, that the like this film it hinges on the performance by its lead, and Benoit is terrific in it. I think that he's like kind of like that weirdest, creepy dude who's just perfect for this role. But yeah. I think it is like Jeff said, it's a study of both violence and the media, but it's also a study on morally corrupt narcissism, both be behind and in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And I think that this movie actually dissects that a little like pretty well yeah i think it's a statement on viewership that doesn't should exist and this movie uh well, shucks that, ass. Well, well i'm really happy everyone tune into the terror table tonight uh let me just thank <laughs> our sponsors and guests and <laughs> yeah i don't know the only thing that i can think of in terms of these movies relating to each other at all is that man bites dog came out 10 years exactly after pieces. Oh, there you go. That's, I think that's the only, I think that's the only tie that we can tie between these. There's a couple murders in both, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Man bites dog. It's just, yeah, Johnny, this was a, this was a really good document, really good recommendation. And I'm really happy that I finally got to see it because I do think that this is like one of those important movies that you should watch. If you're going to, if you're into extreme cinema, well, this might not be my bread and butter. Like, honestly, this isn't something that I just love. It's something that I do appreciate and I see where it came from. And, uh, and it's generated some good conversation if nothing else. Absolutely. And it always does every single time I've ever heard someone talk about this movie. It, it turns into a conversation. Uh, but I know Jeff, you had trouble with this one, so maybe you got to watch it a couple more times. Um, (laughs) I could get some different colored crayons to explain this one. to you. (laughs) I know that it might not, it might not be the brilliance that pieces is, but, uh, but I'm sure I'm sure you'll get there someday. You just got to keep studying, kid. You got to keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining on this episode. This was so much fun. I'm so happy we could have you guys back on again. We're, We're always happy gonna... to drag down the episode a little bit. We're always here to drag the channel down a little bit. Yes, we yeah, are. Well... So be it. We have. A... <laughs> we also have a show, um, and we go through. Uh, two albums from the book, 1,000 What Albums to Hear Before You Die. We also like to talk about new music, and we do those episodes monthly, too. So uh, come and check us out, um, especially the ones without Jeff, because they get a little, they're a little less exhausting. Yeah, and I can't wait to be on this program two years from now again. <laughs> thanks, All right. thanks for having us, Mitch. Thanks for having yeah, us. This course. has been a blast. Awesome. All right, well, thank you guys so much for joining, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Terror Table.